up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTVs or otherwise. Is The Challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very much for being here with us today, this glorious, glorious day that it is, where we are here to discuss the newest season coming out of the Challenge universe. That would be All Stars 3. Can't believe we're already on the third season, a year and a half or whatever after the entire idea even came to be, but that is where we are, premiering two weeks from today on May 11th, a Wednesday on Paramount+. Plus. If you have, for any reason, paused those subscriptions after All-Stars 2, which I don't know why you would have. You've got all the other challenge seasons. You can go back and re-watch right along with us as we do that here on this podcast. But if you did, go back, start that subscription back up. You're going to need Paramount+, Plus because in about 10 days' time, May 11th, Wednesday, two Wednesdays from now, All-Stars 3 will be debuting, and it looks to be an absolutely amazing season of the challenge. You are not going to want to miss a thing. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for very long, then one, first, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. You fucking rock you. Yes, you do. And number two, you know that the season previews come with a lot to talk about and talk about all of it I must do. I feel like I am literally have to do it. I have to talk about every little idea coming out of my little brain about this wonderful, wonderful show and the new season that we are being presented with. So I'm going to talk about a lot of it, which means this is one of those episodes where the show notes are your friend. If you're looking just to hear about a specific cast member, maybe a specific topic, or maybe you just want to fast forward all the way to the end and hear my bold, fiery predictions for what will take place on this season of All-Stars 3, you can do just that. The show notes have timestamps for everything. Use them as you see fit. But hopefully you are in this for the long haul, and it will probably be a long haul. These usually are about two hours long, and this one certainly is probably going to meet that standard, but it's going to be a great time. We're going to break it all down, and here's the plan on just exactly how we will do that. We are going to start with checking in on the state of the challenge universe. Where is the franchise at? Where is it going? What is All-Star's role in the franchise at this point? All things of that nature. From there, we cover the basics of this upcoming season, a couple quick hitting items from the trailer. That will be followed by our full cast breakdown, one at a time, full stats, memorable moments, strengths, weaknesses, one wish per cast member for them on this particular season, and a whole bunch more. And then finally, we will, from there, break down from a political perspective, a social perspective, and a competitive perspective, look at the expectation, hopes, and questions we have going into this season for each of those three phases of the show and or game. And then finally, we finish the whole thing out the only way that I know how, the only way that really should be done in any season preview. That is with putting our name and reputation as a prognosticator on the line and coming to you with a bunch of bold, fiery predictions, including who we think, nay, who we know will take home the crown this very season of All-Stars 3. Does that sound good to you? Because it sounds great to me. couple housekeeping notes before we can get to all of that, though. And the first one is about those bold, fiery predictions at the end, as well as the entire rest of this podcast. Everything you are going to hear from this moment on, let it be said, is a 100% spoiler-free zone. Y'all know I hate these spoilers, I'm I'm down for the casting rumors. That's one thing. I'm here for those, but I don't want to know anything about who beats who, what happens when, anything that actually takes place in the season. I don't want to know going in. Those of you that like that stuff, 
I will admit, I don't fully understand you, but you do you. It's no shade. Everyone has their interests, but it ruins the season for me to know any of that stuff ahead of time, so I stay far, far away, which means I've got no inside info. I've just got a cast list, a trailer, some promo clips that they've started putting out, only publicly available content coming from not MTV anymore. I keep saying MTV, but Paramount, The Challenge, If they put it out themselves as teaser, promo, whatever, I'll watch that only maybe one time in the case of the trailer. We'll talk more about that later. But the gamer vevs, the pink roses of the world, I keep myself far away and try to avoid any and all of that. So everything you are hearing today is spoiler free. When I nail every single prediction at the end of this podcast, that is simply because I'm a Wes Bergman level genius and not because I cheated on the test. I wouldn't do that to myself and I certainly wouldn't do it to you, the listener. Second and final housekeeping note then is that you can expect to see episode recaps coming every single Wednesday once this season drops. So on May 11th, again, about 10 days from now, depending when you are listening to this, two Wednesdays from now, May 11th, first episode, and actually looks like the first two episodes will be dropping. I am hopeful that while I love the more challenge, the better, I would prefer it to be one a week after that. I like the two episodes start. So if they go with two episodes, great. Hopefully it's only one a week afterwards, just so we can have the challenge in our lives for a longer period of time. But that first week, May 11th, I will do two separate episode recaps. They will not be joined into one. I want to do that to you or those episodes or myself, two different episodes. So that will probably be Wednesday the 11th, the premiere episode, and then probably give it one to two days. Maybe that Friday the 13th will drop the episode two recap. But from then on out, the rest of this season, which I don't know how many episodes they plan on, the previous two have been nine and 10. I would guess around a 10 episode season. Every Wednesday, I will get up, watch first thing in the morning, record right after, have the podcast out that afternoon. So whenever watching and then listening to this pod fits into your personal schedule, it will be there and available and waiting for you. That'll be what we do all All Stars 3 season long. We will mix in with that some 2022 Challenge Series rewatch full season recaps of old OG seasons. Next up is The Gauntlet, which will be coming out next week. Sometime next week. I haven't decided the exact day I want to do those, but that'll come out next week in the kind of gap between now and when All Stars 3 starts. And then once the season actually starts, we will try to get on about an every other week cadence to mix in one of those full season recaps, give you time to binge that on the side while still watching All Stars 3. So Gauntlet next week, a few weeks after that, we got Inferno and keep on going as such throughout All Stars 3 and the rest of the year with the Challenge Series rewatch. So that is the plan. And as always, there is even more content about those seasons, old seasons, and everything in between over on Instagram at Challenge Historian. Follow us there if you don't already. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any single episode. Maybe even throw a five-star rating our way if you want to be a cool kid. That would be pretty cool. And with that, that's everything we've got. That's all the table setting that needs to be done. We can now officially dive on in to All Stars 3. And we are going to start, we're going to kick the whole podcast off with our State of the Challenge address. The State of the Challenge, in uh, one or two words, really is all over the place, expanding, growing, dying. There's a lot of different words we could use. There's a lot going on in the Challenge universe. Let's try to sift through it all and make sense of it all from the outside. At this point of the uh of the calendar at this point, 
in the world as it is, you, I'm guessing, as a Challenge fan, are very well aware there is now a third brand new strain of the Challenge that has come about and is actually literally filming right now, which is the Challenge CBS. So we are up to three different you know, strands of the show, whatever you want to call it, silos of the show, versions of the show, whatever you want to call it. We have maybe, hopefully still, the MTV version, the flagship show, which from here on out, not just in this discussion, but as we go through this entire podcast, if I ever say flagship, that means seasons one through 37 on MTV. That is what we are referring to. Um, But obviously, we've got All-Stars. All-Stars 3 is set to debut. That's what we're here to talk about today. We've got The Challenge CBS, which has been announced and is literally filming right now, maybe nearing the end of filming right now, that is set to air sometime this summer. We don't have a premiere date yet or any footage or anything like that, but I'm guessing from the outside with All-Stars 3 seeming to be probably like another 10-episode season, they're dropping two the first week, so nine weeks long. Uh, That would be, you know, could they have Challenge CBS ready to premiere 11 weeks from now, as that would put it on the calendar, immediately after All-Stars 3. It feels like, yeah, that's totally in the realm of possibility if they've almost completed filming right now. That's enough time to probably get the editing done and get it out, at least the beginning of it. So I'm guessing those will be pretty much back-to-back, but for sure we know All-Stars 3 is right now. Sometime this summer after All-Stars 3 will be the Challenge CBS, which has, of course, four different shows at once. One American version, one Australian, one Argentinian, and one UK. I believe those are the four countries being represented, all filming in the same spot at the same time. And then the winners of that will be going on to something called Challenge War of the Worlds, not to be mistaken, which I still can't believe that they did this. I get the War of the Worlds really is a fitting title for what this thing you're doing, but you already used that title before on that other part of the show. So uh, a little confusing, but that will be premiering sometime after that. I don't know if they're filming those back to back or that'll be later on, whatnot, but we've got the challenge CBS. Um, and then we, of course, still, we think have the challenge 38 flagship challenge. Uh, there are rumors right now that casting is happening. So it's not It's not dead, as it seemed like with the announcement of the Challenge CBS in a couple months ago. We speculated, as many did, is this the death of MTV's version of the show? Are they going to completely pivot from not just 90% of their programming being ridiculousness reruns to 100%? Or is MTV just going to go away? What's happening? Um, But no, uh, the Challenge 38, there are rumors to be the casting that's happening right now and that they are looking at a May-June timeline to start shooting or to do a two-month shoot so i would assume that happens we then get the challenge 38 sometime in the fall really seems like it's setting up for a very very good thing from a fan perspective of we might when all stars three start have challenge new challenge every week for quite a long time if they're gonna go all stars three challenge cbs flagship back to back to back and then by then you know they might be filming an All-Stars 4, the Challenge War of the Worlds portion, uh, or anything else. <laughs> Who knows? They might come up with a whole, whole other show. Um, but it seems like we're going to have a lot of challenge content, one way or the other. And we've got these three branches of the show. The thing to note, though, with the rumors about the Challenge 38 is that right now, and I you know, I say this whole thing's spoiler-free and that I don't you know, 
I'm not one that usually follows the Gamer Vabs, Pink Roses, and others of the world that provide all the challenge spoilers, but I do do a very specific job in trying to seek out the casting spoilers that come out from usually those types of accounts. And without following them, I try to, you know, every once in a while do a little searching to see have they posted anything about specifically the casting, the stuff I want to know, and avoid all of the stuff I don't want to know, which is everything else about actually what happens on each season. And I have seen that I believe it was GamerVev who has come out and said on Reddit, if not their Twitter as well, that there's only plans to have eight vets on flagship season 38, MTV's Challenge 38, and 30 rookies, which is wild, um, especially considering they are obviously no longer going to be bringing in Big Brother or Survivor or Amazing Race or any other CBS reality contestants. Those are going to the Challenge CBS so how are they going to bring, it's going to be basically spies, lies, and allies on steroids of just 30 people from around the world, from all these other shows, all, you know, whatever. Um, so maybe that's where they're going. Maybe they're just trying to full on reboot the, you know, the MTV franchise because it does really feel, especially with that knowledge, if that rumor is true that they want to do season 38 with only eight vets and 30 rookies then it feels like an entire reboot if they want to keep that flagship series going because All-Stars has just replaced it. It's just kind of a fact now heading into the third season, especially with the cast that we're going to talk about at length, being not nearly as much what All-Stars 1 was like. Yeah, it's truly only people from way, way back that don't really have any business being on the main show anymore outside of the Anissa and Darrell editions, where it was like they're coming, literally coming off Double Agents doing All-Stars 1, but uh, they also are from a long, long time ago is in you know challenge seasons. And at this point, though, with this upcoming season, it's pretty much become the place where if you want to even get recent people back on the show and you want to see your favorite vets, you're going to have to see them on All-Stars and not so much on the flagship. And... You know, if all your challenge favorites are on there, MTV shows, you know, going to brand new people from around the world. It you know, seems to be that reboot. I asked the question, the sad truth question that is there any point to continuing the MTV version? If you're just trying to get to a season 40 so you can get that big round number and have this big, big thing, you know, stick it out for three more seasons. But if you were going to, if that was the only goal, if the goal was just like, let's get to season 40 and then that can be done and it could just be all stars and whatever this new CBS thing is, then wouldn't you do season 38, 39, you know, full of as many vets as you can get and then try to do season 40 as some sort of like, you know, joining of all stars and the flagship and then just move it into all stars from then on forward. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So it seems like they're trying to now establish the old show is gone. Um, what we, what we knew of it is totally gone. If you are someone who just loves all of the faces we already know, the people we already know, then you're going to just want to be watching all stars. We're going to pump those out. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if all stars four or five, when they happen, cause they are for sure going to happen. If someone like even as recent as a Fessy or a Tory or a Casey pops up there, or, you know, a bunch of the Fessy and Casey, you know, originally from big brother, or some of the new survivor players that have had a season or two on the flagship, maybe they have not, they were not given calls for this first season of CBS, the challenge, but 
maybe in the future they they roped them back in and they're like hey all the big brother people that we debuted you're coming back over here to the cbs one uh survivor people same thing and you pull those out and they say to the nelsons tories Corys of the world that were originally from an mtv show your place is on all stars now we're in this you know this new whatever the new flagship is is just international it's the emmys of the world and you know people of that nature there's all from europe from from all the continents from all the anywhere that they have reality television shows maybe that's the one they're pulling in there and it's a little bit more of a tie-in to those international shows on paramount plus under the cbs challenge banner who knows but it's very confusing time for the show it's a great time because we're getting so much content and and we are still able to get plenty of screen time for all the fan favorites all the ogs all the vets that we love but it's a very confusing time because the 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 show we truly loved and grew up on and watched 37 seasons of seems to be a hundred percent by the wayside now it seems like you know while they're going to do the next season it seems like the resources and the time the attention and uh the good casting goes to all stars and now this new version on cbs we will see but we are for sure entering a brand new era no matter what um the one thing, the final thing to say on, you know, challenge or if All Stars is replacing the flagship, the thing about the CBS version that I will say that they have a good setup to kind of reboot and almost restart the entire franchise. And why it makes sense to me is that at the original, the origins of the challenge on MTV, it was Real World Road Rules, the challenge. And it was people from those two particular shows. And it was like that for, you know, a couple, uh, you know, 15 seasons, 20 seasons, basically, uh, 20 plus seasons, you know, I'm not counting the couple fresh meat seasons they threw in. It wasn't until season 27 blood, you know, bloodlines was, you know, a, similar to a fresh meat, but then really are you the one started showing up in like season 28, 29. That was the first time they really even deviated from anyone, not from road rules or real world. And, the CBS version has a very similar good setup to it, which is that if they pull from Survivor, Big Brother, Amazing Race, and others, but really from those three shows, those three big-time franchises, all three of those shows, most of their seasons feature brand-new casts every time. That is kind of the basis of those shows, and what separated the challenge over the years was the returning, constant returning, and only a few new people at a time. But with the CBS version, if Survivor and Big Brother and Amazing Race stick to most of their seasons, probably not all, they continue to, you know, try the the win, all winter seasons, the bringing people back and things of that nature. But for the most part, they're bringing in every year, if not two seasons a year of, you know, 20, 30, whatever fresh new faces, which means the CBS version of the show is it's a very similar setup to where the original challenge show was in. We've got these three shows that are going to bring us, you know, a pot of, 60 70 people every single year new faces we're going to take the best of them the ones that resonate the most with the audiences and we're going to bring them over and put them in this new show and allow them to keep showing up over and over in this new show and that's very similar to what we did with real world road rules and then you get on the challenge so in that way i i kind of like the setup i've come around i at first glance i just you know that whole new is difficult i didn't want to give in to cbs version of the show but uh, seeing that it is kind of set up the same way the challenge was back in the 2000s to have this nice feeder system of these shows that bring in so many new people every year, get the best of the best of them on this one other show where they can be reoccurring. 
it seems like it's set up for success. So whatever way you cut it, we're entering a brand new era. Some form of the show will be around for a very, very long time. That I am sure of, if not multiple versions, if not a ton, plethora of versions of the show will be around for a long, long time, but just maybe likely not the flagship series that we've known and loved and discuss at length every single week on this very podcast. So that is where the state of the challenge is right now, the franchise ever moving. Uh, we'll definitely check in on the state of the franchise at you know the beginning of every new season of every new iteration of the show to see where it is going. And maybe hopefully one day in the future, we can get some of the behind the scenes folks, maybe even on this podcast to talk to us about some of these decisions that are being made, how they're going about, what they're weighing, what the pros and cons are, all of the inside info. That is definitely a goal and a dream to have happen here sometime in the, in the somewhere future near future would be great, but sometime future of this very podcast. So that's the state of the challenge. Now we know kind of where we're at in the universe. Let's start to hone in on all stars three and let's do so by just discussing first and foremost, the basics of the season and the wonderful trailer that was put out last week. May 11th, All-Stars 3, here is what we know, and again, this will be the last time I try to say this until probably predictions, I'll bring it up again. Spoiler free, we only know what you essentially know if you're following the, you know, the main challenge accounts, Paramount Plus accounts, you know, the official, official stuff, spoiler free area, but we know for sure from the trailer and all info that's been put out, first and foremost, the location, Panama, fantastic choice, another warm weather season, it seems like They know for sure the best case scenario is the warm weather season, but not the desert seasons of a War of the Worlds one. Um, So they've really nailed that with All-Stars 3 on the locations every single time. So we know the locations in Panama. We, of course, thankfully know the host. That would be one and only TJ Lavin himself. TJ is going to be a very busy man, it sounds like, uh, this year and possibly more years to come until he doesn't want to do the show because they got him doing the CBS version. I assume if they're doing season 38 at Flagship, they're they're bringing him in for that. He's here for All-Stars. He's here for all of it, as he should be, but my, my man's got to have some downtime. I mean, he can't just be gallivanting around the world at all times doing every single possible season of all the different universes of this show, or he can't. That's his choice and it seems like a great life to me so god bless tj lavin he is here for all stars three the money no announcement in the trailer or otherwise of what type of money is up for grabs but we assume season one and two of all stars 500k was up for grabs i i can see no possible way where they go lower than that that would be it would it would honestly be insult so insulting to most of the cast members on the show if they if TJ came out and was like we're playing for three hundred thousand dollars this year because we want to take it old school like the old game and five of you are gonna win and you're each gonna get forty grand how's that sound that was bad math on my part but you know what I'm saying the old school seasons where some of these people that won a Veronica who won three times and made like fifty grand or whatever from those three wins versus uh, Ashley wins twice and is like one and a half million dollars but. That would be a just complete slap of the face and a disgrace. It would be a hilarious joke if TJ joked about it and like gave it a full like episode or you know one daily challenge cycle to breathe, telling them that's all you're playing for, and then being like, "Just kidding, you guys. It's a million dollars. Calm down." But I I think that uh, you know with the amount of resources they're putting behind All Stars, I wouldn't be shocked if that 500k bumped up to a million soon. Maybe it's this season, maybe it's in the future seasons, but uh, it's for sure going to be at least 500,000. We will see. I would I would be very excited if they bumped it up to a million, but I guess they're doing three versions of the show. 
prize money, you know, might be tight going around as much as the budgets they're putting behind this. So uh, we shall see. The format, we also don't know. The trailer suggests an individual game, uh, but also suggests or hints at some team partner stuff uh, mixed in, which is right in line with All-Stars 1 and 2, which both were, you know, All-Stars 1 very much was a free agents style season uh, where you're playing as individuals, but the dailies could be any combination of team pairs or individuals, but it is an individual game at the end of the day, every single day, every single round. All-Stars 2 obviously had the format switch in the middle where it became official partners the whole way and ran the final as those partners, two people winning, MJ and John A. I definitely think one way, whatever way they do it, they will avoid the single solo winner the way All-Stars 1 has been. That has not been received. You know, on All-Stars 1, it was received pretty well because everyone loves Yes and Yes won, and that was great. Um, And the final was set up in a pretty solid way to be, you know, fair across everyone competing, everyone really having a shot. Um, But the the flagship seasons that have had just a single winner, no matter who has won or how it's ended, they haven't always been received as well as like, we just really like this. This game really is two games at the same time intertwined. There is a male game and a female game going on, whether it's in pair, male, female pairs, male, male, female, female pairs, individual seasons. There's two games going on that are intertwined together in some way. So I would assume they're going to continue with finding a way to at least have two winners, a male and a female. If not, there's always the possibility they throw a wrench in and there's four winners or some sort of team concept or whatever. We don't know. But I'm my best guess is that this would continue to be in almost every season of All-Stars for the foreseeable future is some sort of free agent style season until we are told otherwise by the theme. And with the theme of this one being all former finalists, I feel like it definitely, that sounds like an individual game, sounds like a free agent style season to me. In season's future, if they ever bust out a rival style all-star season, I'm guessing we will get that in the announcement, in the trailer, in the theme of the season, and we will know going in that the format might be such a thing. So format, best guess, free agent style, who the hell knows though. But as we said, that theme is all former finalists, 24 contestants. We will get to them soon enough who they are and what their stature in the game is, but they have all been in a challenge final at some point in their challenge careers. So this is very much closer to a best of the best type of season, the way All-Stars one, just all stars in general, was originally kind of pitched as not in the Mark Long in the We Want OGs tag. It was never pitched as the best of the best. It was the favorites of the favorites was kind of the real pitch. But all stars won the promo leading up to it and the trailers and the teasers and everything really did. I thought at the time and said as much at the time, kind of incorrectly pegged the show as we're bringing the best of the best. I believe in the All-Stars 1 trailer, TJ says we are going to crown the greatest, you know, who is the actual greatest champion ever. And I was like, are you looking at this cast? Like none of the people in the running for that title are really here. Um, And so they went away from that as they should and went more towards what it organically originally was of just favorites of the favorites, basically OGs, All-Stars, not best champions, whatever, but this season is getting closer to that best of the best type scenario. Now, technically, and we'll talk about it as we go through some, um, go through the cast, excuse me. Technically though, a couple of these people, depending who you ask, and if you ask me, haven't actually been in a final. The big one is Cynthia. Cynthia Roberts is coming back, uh, originally from real world Miami. 
Uh, I'll get that correct if I just got it wrong right there. I'll get it correct when we actually talk more about Cynthia later. A season MVP of season one, Road Rules All-Stars. That was crowned by me, the original MVP of a season. But that season, Road Rules All-Stars, wasn't it to me it doesn't count as anything no they didn't win they didn't make a final because it was five people doing a season of road rules and completing missions and uh, it it's not it was it was a different show it was road rules it was not the challenge and there was no final there was no winners or losers there was no competing versus other teams there was none of that so i personally don't count those so in my record books it would say that cynthia has not been to a final because her only other challenge season was then battle of the sexes 2 where she did not make the final but they are obviously counting that as a not just a final but i believe they're counting it as a championship for just being on that first season which fair enough those are the truest ogs of the challenge world so good by them and as we said cynthia the mvp of that five person season so well deserved to be here regardless latarian is the other person that his only final was an extreme challenge without any elimination of any kind um and actually i believe yes um is another one that fits that bill of where there was no eliminations on the one season that he made a final but those ones there was at least like there was kind of a final challenge of sorts, a true like final challenge for a big, big prize at the end and the majority of the money and prizes and everything. So those really feel like the count, but whatever way you scratch it, they're selling it as everyone's made a final. It's, you know, some of the best of the best and it very much fits that unlike former seasons where they've kind of missed with that. I like all this a lot. I think your pool of finalists is plenty big enough to do this again and again, because it does feel like once you've done it once going backwards, at least immediately feels a little weird. And the only way I feel like they can now go backwards from this, you've had to make a final to be on the show is if they drop a full blown theme, like a rivals or something of that nature on a future season. That's their way. They can kind of audible back out of this, you know, criteria to me, but the pool of finalists is huge. And especially with the older cast, where it's huge teams making finals, there's a lot of people uh, that have made a final um, at some point in their careers that you could pick from. And the only, op- the final question that this leads to is, will this lead to an all winners season? We have now, are we embarking on an all finalists season? Will we ever get to see an all winners season the way we have seen both survivor and big, big brother, I believe I'm not as up to date on my big brother info, but I know survivor obviously did winners at war. I think that might've been their second season that they did winners only style. Um, and I believe big brother has done this at some point, uh, maybe not the full cast, but I think the full cast, you can correct me if I'm wrong, hit me up, DM me, uh, any of you big brother stands out there that want to get my big brother facts, correct. Send me a message on Instagram and let me know. Cause I usually get that stuff wrong, but an all winter season is always, is long been talked about. I have brought it up. I have hypothesized. I have made my own cast list for what that would look like and how fun it would be. I wonder if they're going to try to make it happen. It feels like they obviously, the idea has to be being thrown around. If they're already getting to the place, like let's do a season where we brand it finalist only. You would think the natural progression is let's do a season where it's winners only. And it can even be a smaller cast if need be, which you would probably need to be because the men's side is pretty easy to come up with a long, long list of winners that you could, you know, put casting calls out to and get 10 to 12 to 14 of them to show up. The women's side is pretty damn hard. Um, and that is no fault of any of the many wonderful champion women of the challenge. That is everything to do with the challenge 
many faults over the years and how they have developed and casted and uh, worked with the female side of the show versus the male side of the show. Um, But it also has to do with a couple recent multi-time champions that would you know, be no goes because when you're talking about if you're trying to put together all winter season, you're thinking, okay, we at least need 10 men and 10 women, right? You know, 20 people at least, maybe 12 to 14 even. And on the women's side, when you throw in the fact that Camilla is a three time winner and is certainly not getting a call back, deservingly not getting a call for all stars. Um, so she's not coming. That throws out a champ, you know, a recent multi time champion. Sarah is by all accounts, was not going to be doing this show anytime soon, um, nor is Susie, and both of them have a couple titles to their name, and Sarah especially, you know, recent titles, and so when you're just going back through the most recent winners on the male and the female side, the female side, it's like, all right, well, like, if we can get, we'll get Kara, but, like, we desperately are, with we want to do an all-winner season, like, we need Casey, we need Amber, and we need Jenny West, all three, they got to show up because otherwise how are we getting to even 10 people? Cause I, the, the brief list I just started writing together while doing notes for this podcast was Casey, Amber, Jenny. If you can get the three most recent winners, Cara, Ashley, if it, I, is she allowed back? I don't know. We still know what actually happened on the last season. That's fine. But if she's coming back, we need her. Then you throw in Laurel. I would maybe be willing to do it. Emily Schramm seemed to be on her recent podcast appearance with Johnny Bananas, seemed to be willing maybe to do it. John A, you throw in All-Stars winners are totally allowed. So she's in. Jody, Rachel Robinson would have to be there if we're talking about a winner's only season. Got to get Rachel. She just did the challenge workout series, which you can find and do for free on YouTube. Check that out. Shout out Rachel for all the wonderful things she is doing in the world of fitness and in the world of challenge, but it seems like getting her toes back into the challenge world. She would come. That's 10 people right there. Casey, Amber, Jenny, Cara, Ashley, Laurel, Emily, John A, Jody, Rachel. That would be a really good season, but that's like can we get those exact 10 people in all of their schedules and their busy, crazy lives to line up to do this? Do they all want to do it? You could maybe add whoever wins this season of all stars three. If it's someone who's not won before, maybe season 38, if you know, someone wins there, whatever, but an all winter season seems to be pretty tough to cast, but here's the hoping they find a way to do it. And uh, with that, that's the theme. That's the contestants. The final thing to discuss, and it will be very brief here uh, in, seasons past we would discuss the trailer at length we would go through it like this bruder film we would you know minute by minute moment by moment second by second pause and stop and going back rewind and watch it a thousand times but this trailer i i watched the first time they came out you know thousand different people posted on their instagram like all right let's dive in let's watch it as always when that happens i specifically go to mark long's instagram page and watch and he he deserves my views on his account over all the other many wonderful ones that are sharing it myself included i will probably in promo for this very podcast share the trailer so watch it wherever but i prefer when a thousand people post it go to the the best source possible the one that made this all happen the godfather mark long i go there i watch it and the first time i watch it i'm giddy i'm so happy it's so fun it looks like such a great season but it gets to the end and i'm like oh my god i feel like while i don't fully remember everything i just saw in that last one and a half minute two minute whatever it is i don't want to watch it again because i feel like i did glimpse a couple things that if i go back i would be able if i really studied this i would be able to you know uh, conclude a couple things about the season and I didn't want to do that. So I kind of thought back to seasons past. I was like, yeah, the trailers do 
if you look at them with that intensity, they give stuff away. So I didn't want to do that. So I've watched the trailer one single time. Uh, I've watched the first three to four seconds of it like a thousand times as I scroll through Instagram. And again, everyone posts it. So I you know, keep seeing it over and over and seeing the first couple seconds be like, nope, nope, don't want to watch it anymore. I got what I needed. I'm very excited. I'm very happy. I want to watch the season as blindly as possible. So we watched it once, not again. But a couple of things that did come out of that single viewing that are worth quick mention. First and foremost, the biggest news of all that I am fascinated by, Under Armour is back. No more Reebok. Reebok has been booted back to the sidelines. Under Armour is back here. The contract negotiations must be over. I will do anything. I am going to message so many people that are a part of this season and try to get someone to answer the question for me of what the hell happened, what what the dispute was between Under Armour and Paramount, what the reason why Reebok had to be the brand on All-Stars 2. Way different. You know, obviously the challenge is synonymous basically with Under Armour at this point. Uh, whatever your feelings on different athletic apparel brands. Um, I'm not some huge, you know, Under Armour fan. I just feel like it's a part of the challenge. So it was so jarring to me last season when suddenly Reebok was showing up on the scene. But now Under Armour's back, and I'm just I'm fascinated by all whatever the hell happened behind the scenes that made that one season transition happen. Another thing that popped out, quick glimpse of I believe it was Mark Long, if in others on a paddleboard. As a paddleboard enthusiast, loved seeing that. Uh, if it comes at the removal of kayaking, which I am a kayak professional, I've always loved seeing the kayaks brought into the world of the challenge. Paddleboards are a solid substitute and a very fun thing to throw into a challenge world. Loved seeing that. The house, we get a couple glimpses of a house, and the house looks great. And then on top of it, Mark Long on an Instagram Live a couple weeks back said to the effect, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said this is the best challenge house ever. And he didn't just say it in like, this was just a kind of like open and honest uh, Instagram Live. It wasn't like a pure promo for the season. Uh, it was promo for all the many things he's a part of right now. Very, very busy man, the Godfather is. But he in very sincerely seemed to say like this house truly was like the best house we've maybe ever found in the history of the show. And so very excited about that. The house is always a fun part of the show and what it sets up the drama wise and the different, different setup of the house leads to different types of interactions within it. So that's all very cool. There's lots of shots of mud wrestling. It seemed to probably be all shots from the same single, uh, challenge daily challenge, but They really seem to be playing up the physicality, and I expect with a cast that's trending a little younger and with the the oldest cast members being those that are still clearly very into fitness for the most part, seems like they're going to continue to lean more physical, more physical with this all-stars group. And the final thing to say about the trailer, and that could be said about the rest of this very podcast that's uh, soon to commence, there was a lot of Wes. Wes was definitely front and center. Um, if anyone, I, you know, again, watched it once, so maybe I'm wrong at who got the most screen time and or talking time, but, uh, it seemed like there was a lot of Wes Bergman, which I'm here for certainly, um, and is definitely a bit of a big deal for all stars to get, uh, to get a West to kind of transition over possibly from flagship to all stars deservedly. You know, he's been on flagship forever. Um, the most seasons of the show, as we'll talk about in our cast breakdown, but a lot of West. So that's your trailer. That's your basics. Stay the challenge. We've done all the, all that we can do without with, you know, before we can dive into the real meat and potatoes of this preview, which is 
the cast. Now, there's 24 cast members. We are going to go through all of them very soon. We're going to go through this cast totals. We're going to do all of it. It is going to be lengthy. It, where Everyone gets their due. Everyone gets the same amount of time, the same amount of shine. So buckle up, because here we go. 24 great OG all-star cast members coming at you one by one right now. Before we dive into each individual cast member, which we will do momentarily, we've got to talk about some of the cast stat totals. Now, as we go through every single cast member, we will bring you their stats. We will be putting their little profile with all of their stats even deeper than what we're going to talk about here on this podcast up on the Challenge Historian Instagram page so you can see all those player profiles there over the next several days. But before we get to each individual one, just I we got to look at the totals because the whole the theme of the season being you know everyone's been in a final and just the idea of all stars in general these are the OGs they've been around forever they've done a ton of shows it's kind of staggering to actually look at the totals of just how many seasons and wins and things like that that this group of competitors brings to the table so I just I want to run through them because they're they're kind of mind boggling when I put it together I knew it would be you know an interesting thing to look at but I was kind of blown away at the actual amounts when we got to the end. So first and foremost, seasons. There have been, I'm going to break all of these down uh, in this discussion as well as once we get into cast-by-cast member discussions by flagship season stats and all-stars stats. Um, As you might remember, I've mentioned a few times uh, in my, you know, documenting of challenge history, I count the flagship and I was uncertain when All-Stars 1 came about of how, if, when we would count those stats and if they would be all together or separate, but we sure as shit don't count anything from champs for stars and or pros. Those don't count. Those, in my mind, basically don't actually exist. Um, they have they have their merits. They're worth watching if you've never watched, I guess, maybe. But they're not they're not challenge seasons in any in any real way. So those don't count at all. But when I break down these stats, I'm talking flagship season first and foremost, and then all stars, and then we'll also in this particular segment here look at the totals of both. So starting with the seasons, and actually one more caveat before I do that. Apologies. There's 128 uh, seasons in total. We'll we'll start there. I'll just get it get it off the chest. Since I've said seasons multiple times, but back to the actual caveat. As always with these statistics, there are a lot of different ways to do the challenge statistics. I, for one, personally, anything I say, take with a small grain of salt, a very small one, but still a grain of salt, if you will. And if you want the 100% most official ones that I know about right now, go follow Challenge Stats on Instagram or I believe on Twitter on definitely on Reddit as well. But I believe Instagram is kind of the biggest of the pages that they put forward at Challenge Stats. Their stuff I trust uh, more than pretty much anyone else's. Um, Anyone doing it really is doing it based on pulling all the numbers and data from Wikipedia pages and fandom pages uh, and not actually rewatching every single episode and taking stats as they rewatch every single episode, which means some stuff could be wrong. Some stuff can be interpreted differently. We already mentioned one, like I personally don't list Cynthia Roberts as having a final or a win when most, a lot of people would and the show seemingly is for season one. I just don't particularly count that. Same thing goes for right now in this version of my stats that I am using uh, is my kind of OG stats that I put together. I am currently, as I do the 2022 Challenge Series rewatch and all the full season recap podcasts, I am doing these stats episode by episode by actually watching them to get a true 
real accounting of exactly what happened and not just trusting a Wikipedia page or anything like that. So by the end of this year, when I've done every single season like that, I will be confident and 100% certain that I have the best and most thorough stat database in challenge history. But until then, you know, it it is what it is. I believe everything is essentially correct. If anything is wrong, it's very close to being correct. Um, and all the big numbers are correct, but there's other, you know, there's other interpretations to be taken into place. I count, you know, redemption eliminations as an elimination in your total elimination record for the most part, uh, you know, daily challenges, very big difference between team and partners and individual counting them all together. We will break those down themselves, but some challenges like now, as I'm going back and watching, there are certain seasons where they're playing as teams. Battle of the sexes is a great example, but those are individual daily challenges. And that's what in the future I will be counting them as, but in this current landscape, they're counted as team wins um, because that's kind of the way they're listed on Wikipedia or online or just easy first memory of it is, yeah, the guys won uh, 10 and the women won five, I believe. But in reality, they were individual competitions that the winner won it for their team. So that's what in the future of the count has all that kind of stuff. So that's just my big caveat. Take these with a grain of salt, but they should be, if not hundred percent accurate, very, very close to that. And as always shout out at challenge stats, follow them. If you want the certain most official numbers that exist to date right now until I complete my next round of them. But all right, cast stat totals. Can't believe some of these numbers. Seasons, 128 seasons played of the flagship series amongst this crew, plus 22 more seasons of All-Stars played out of these 24 people. So between the 24 of them, they have done 150 seasons of this show. Obviously, that's overlapping. Plenty of these people have been on seasons together. There hasn't been 150 seasons of the show. You get the point. Same thing with all these rest of these numbers. As far as episodes of television that these people have been a part of, 1,281 plus 175 more All-Stars. That's a 1,456 episodes of television between these 24 cast members. That is an astounding number. You could add TJ into that and throw another, you know, 300 or so onto that. Finals appearances, 47 flagship finals appearances, plus 12 more all-stars, 59 finals experienced between these 24 people and wins, 27 wins, definitely the most all-time in the history of the show that a cast has brought into a season, plus three more all-stars wins. We have all all-stars, one and two winners. Yes, MJ, Jeanet, all here. So 30 total challenge championships coming in to this house out of 24 people over one a person on average. That is insanity. Money won. $2.1 million won on the flagship, a full million dollars won on All-Stars, $3.1 million of earnings of prize money between this group. And if you actually went back and added in all the crazy prizes, some of these OGs were winning back in the day. They're, I mean, now doing the rewatch, I was totally unprepared for seeing things like a $20,000 shopping spree being a prize for a daily challenge on a season where the winners only got $50,000 shit like that. So even more prize money out there, but 3.1 million given out in actual winnings money to this group between the 24 of them daily challenges. They have won 376 daily challenges on the flagship 34 on all stars, 410 total. That is a 33% win rate. These people are good at the daily challenges. However, if you do break that down by individual pairs or team daily challenges, you get a stark difference. Now, obviously, an individual daily challenge is only one or maybe two winners, one per sex, but 
And so those numbers are obviously going to be lower than a team daily challenge where half of the cast or a third of the cast or a fourth of the cast, depending on the team sizes, is going to win. So then you expect the numbers, you know, the team daily challenge winning percentage to be the highest, the pairs next, the solos, the lowest. But you don't necessarily expect the disparity to be this big. So individual daily challenge wins, 14 uh, in total between 24 people on the flagship, three on All-Star, 17 total. Only 17 of the 24 people we've only ever seen 17 times. One of those 24 people has won an individual daily challenge, which does give some credence to this is a, an OG crop of players, the more older school where they were playing more team-based seasons, less opportunities to win as individuals, but also maybe do better in a team or a pair situation. Pair daily challenge wins. They have 48 total between flagship and All-Star's. That's a 15% win rate. It was a 9% win rate on the solo daily challenges. And then over on the team daily challenges, 344 combined wins, flagship and all-stars, 47% win rate. About even when you think about, you know, most of those are coming in one versus one team uh, situations, but some of those even come from a cutthroat style or more recent seasons where they mixed three to four teams in there. But Definitely these people are more used to fairing in team challenges. They do better in team challenges, even knowing that the numbers should come out similar to what they come out as. It's a little bit wider of a gap than I was anticipating. So very interested to see who can excel when it comes down to those individual challenges if we get some, if not a lot of them, on this season. And then the very fun number, the total elimination record of all 24 people is 82 and 63. It's not quite as, that's very good, obviously, you know, plus 20 over 500 here. So that's solid. Um, That's on the flagship 12 and nine on all stars, 94 and 72 overall. It's it's pretty solid, but it's not quite as much as you'd think, uh, which is an interesting thing when looking back at all elimination records across the entire cast uh, that's ever been on the challenge. It's a little more balanced than you think. Even the ones people you think of as like, Oh, those are like the elimination Kings and Queens have more balanced resumes and more win or you know more losses than you're thinking some of those people might even have um but breaking that elimination record down solo individual elimination 61 and 41 total for the cast partner eliminations 32 and 25 so they have fared better unlike the daily challenges where they seemingly fare better as partners or teams this crop of characters seems to fare better when in elimination by themselves by a slight bit over when they're with a partner and then where they fare horribly which hopefully please god don't let it be a part of all-stars three but redemption eliminations I hope there is no way they're ever implementing a redemption house in an all-star season. But if they do, that's bad news for this cast because they are one in six in uh, redemption eliminations in their history. And then the final group stat to look at is there has been five disqualifications for either fighting or inappropriate behavior of some kind of these 24 cast members. That would be Brad, Darrell, Kayla, Naya, and Tina have all been kicked off this show at some time for punching or bullying or inappropriate uh you know touching of another player or something of that nature so we we have some some chances for uh some dqs here we have some fiery folks who have had had some you know contentious moments in their past to come back from so that's that's your full cast stat breakdown and with that those numbers Let's then dive into what makes up those total numbers, cast by cast, single person by single person, all 24 people getting a moment to shine. Let's break down every single one, and let's start, 
I believe last season, I can't remember if we did the ladies or the men first, but uh, we're going to go with the ladies first, uh, and then we'll do the men second, and we're going to do the ladies in order of least flagship seasons to most flagship seasons. It's no fun just to do alphabetical or whatever, because then every single podcast and every single write-up and every single thing out there that does a cast breakdown almost always does alphabetical, and that means the Wes's and the Yes and the Veronica's of the world are always last, and people might not even listen or read all the way to the end. That's no fun, so we'll switch it up. We're going to do the ladies first, but we're going to do it in order of least flagship seasons to most flagship seasons, which means we're kicking it off with Kendall. First up is Kendall. Kendall, OG season, Road Rules Campus Crawl 2002, debuted on the challenge, her one and only flagship season, season eight, the Inferno, last seen on All Stars 2 last year. Full or flagship season stats. One season, one finals, one win, a one and done champion, a one and no elimination record, 10 daily challenge wins, all team wins during that season. The Inferno has now done two seasons of all stars, has not made the final or one, has won three daily challenges, a 25% win rate while she's been on all stars and a two and one elimination record on that season with the one loss coming in the final elimination before the final in all stars one. Her and Nehemiah going down to Big Easy in Yasella. We last saw her on all stars two where she was eliminated for what we were told was a you know a chest injury a rib injury of sorts when in reality there was part of it but it was mostly due to the fact that there was a production shutdown for a covid outbreak she was one of the ones that tested positive therefore was not allowed to continue in the game best performance of all time for kendall was certainly the inferno one and done champion of course an amazing season for her and that team and you know she had that perfect record going into all-stars one and kept it for a little while there kept it running right up until that elimination loss her best ever moment has to be the inferno elimination where she i forget who she went up against uh forgive me whoever it is for not remembering right now not one to take the time to pull it up but goes up in a challenge where you have to carry bricks from one side of this pretty large balance beam based walkway basically from one side to the other over and over and over and for the it's era of the challenge, a huge, difficult endurance test of a day or of an elimination. And the whole time, the Miz is kind of freaking out and going weird and getting weird and yelling at her and different things. They'd had a little romantic chemistry. I don't know what happened. He's being very weird and uh, not not a great look in this moment. And so she overcomes the the mental part of whatever the fuck's going on, why she's being yelled at by this guy she'd liked or her team and everything else, and the physical part and gets the win, eventually goes on to win the season. Definitely the best moment. Strengths and weaknesses for Kendall. Strength, she's a yoga fanatic. We've seen that the last two seasons, which means she's got that core strength, that balance, that poise under pressure, everything you're going to want in a competitor the weakness side, the double edge of that is she is seen as a physical threat. We've seen that work against her in the previous two seasons. And similarly, her social political game just really isn't where I think this season of the All-Stars is going to need to be. Maybe fit season one a little bit more because she's just one of those people that maybe is just a little too nice, too wonderful of a person um, for the challenge world when a Wes Bergman and people like him are coming in openly wanting to wreck the game and play this havoc social political game. So that could be to her detriment, the social political game, not really willing to be the cutthroat person that some of the people are going to want to be on this season. My one single wish for Kendall is going to be that she completes her arc. She makes it to the final. It seems like she came back on all stars to, to prove something to herself, to family, to 
friends to, to someone, to something, and she hasn't fully gotten to get over that hump, get to the final, and kind of complete whatever it is she's looking for. I love Kendall. I want her to get that, to get that satisfaction, to complete that arc. Let's see her make a final. That is my one wish for her. Next up is Cynthia Roberts, OG season Real World Miami back in 1996, her challenge debut on season one, Road Rules All-Stars, that's in 1998, last seen on season nine, Battle of the Sexes 2 in 2005. She did two seasons. Technically, she has one final and one win if you count Road Rules All-Stars as a championship. I personally do not. That's no shade. That's, we've talked about it before. That's just how I feel about that particular season, not actually really being a season of the challenge. So in my book, two seasons, no finals, no wins with an asterisk. One daily challenge, win, elimination record, 0-0. Zero, zero. Wasn't on a season with an eliminations at all and has not been on All-Stars, therefore is a rookie on this All-Stars season. Her best performance is Road Rules All-Stars, where she was named by yours truly as the season's MVP. A bunch of highlights of that on the Challenge Instagram if you want to go see a bunch of highlights from her on that particular season. Her best moment of all those wonderful moments had to be they did a Dirty Jobs-esque uh, workday on the farm, and she has some hilarious commentary uh, about when they're milking cows and they're pooping all around them. It's just, it's a whole thing. And she's just hilarious. She's one of the original confessional queens, if you will. Strengths and weakness wise, the really the, the glaring thing is the on the weakness front. And we've seen this the last two seasons of All-Star. She is one of the people coming into this season without any of the relationships that most of them had. Having not been on the show in 17 years, having done her one debut season 24 years ago, she's just not going to have the, the connections that everyone else is going to have a way bigger hurdle to overcome in making those connections. But my one wish for Cynthia is very, very simple. That is that Cynthia has hasn't changed at all in 24 years because having just rewatched and again, naming her the MVP of season one road rules, all stars. She is so wonderful. Her personality is so great. She is so entertaining. And I just hope that wonderful personality and entertaining presence has not dimmed in any way. And she is able to be comfortable in front of the camera immediately again, and bring all of that entertainment value back to us 24 years later. That is Cynthia Roberts. Ronnie is up next. OG season Road Rules Northern Trail way back in 1998. Immediately followed that, made her challenge debut on season two. Real World Road Rules Challenge, aka season one, to some people like myself, 1999. Last seen on The Gauntlet, season seven in 2004. So it's been 17, 18, I can do math, years since we've seen her on the challenge. She did two flagship seasons, made the final in one in both of those. Again, Real World Road Rules Challenge season two and season seven, The Gauntlet. 12 daily challenge wins between those seasons at a 63% win clip, mostly team-based there. Again, never seen an elimination and has not been on All-Star. She is a rookie on this season. Her best performance, while it's tough to split the hairs between very good performances in both two seasons, I'm going with season two where she's kind of the unsung hero of the Road Rules team that dominates that season. The best moment is honestly gotta be during season two she's the only one of the cast that reacts appropriately to when they walk into a gymnasium and find out they're going to play reggie freaking miller and kobe freaking bryant in basketball she flips the fuck out which is the appropriate response to that scenario and no one else 
you know, some people get excited, but no one else flips, flips out. She does, and I adore her for that moment and actually being her true self in that and acting the way I would have acted if I was her. Strengths and weaknesses. She was a physical threat when she was on this show previously and never got to fully show that because of the versions of the show that she was on, but is that still the case? If that's still the case, that's a huge, obvious uh, advantage in the game, and also if she's a low-key physical threat, if they don't know that she's a physical threat, the physical threat she is, that even more so could be a strength. But on the weakness side, very same thing as what we said about Cynthia previously. She just doesn't have the ties to this group, having been away for as long as anyone along with Cynthia. The one thing she does have is a little small caveat over where I like her chances over Cynthia a little bit more, even with this similar weakness, is she does have the ties to Mark Long, having done season two with him and been on a team with him before, so maybe she can lean on the Godfather to give her some stature in the house and some sway or an immediate friend, and if you're only gonna make one friend right away in the house, there's a lot, you could do a lot less, a lot more, a lot worse is the word I'm trying to say than the Godfather, Mark Long being the first one you can kind of lean on and have a relationship with. So that is Ronnie. My one wish for Ronnie is that she still is that beast. No shame if you're not. Uh, the years go by. It's very hard for everyone out there to keep it up. But if she is still that beast, I hope that she is because that way we can appreciate her for being the athletic beast that she was because, again, on the previous times or two times on the show, I feel like if she's someone that would have done five or six seasons, got into when there's eliminations and more, she would be remembered as one of the like original physical threats in the game on the female side and isn't fully appreciated. So hope she's still got that beast nature in her. Hope she's still got that athleticism so that we can fully appreciate it finally now, years after the fact. We then have Naya, original season, real world Portland in 2013, one of the newer uh, cast members, if you will, challenge debut on season 25, free agents, then last seen on season 26, Battle of the X's 2, where she was booted from the show for an altercation with Jordan, her previous real world cast member, um, did two seasons technically made the final the altercation with Jordan came after they had changed locations where the day before the final she has this altercation with Jordan she is removed they bring in a new partner for Leroy so she technically made a final although did not compete in it and then therefore did not win two daily challenge wins three and one in eliminations has not been on all-stars is an all-stars rookie best performance for Nia is definitely X's two her and Leroy were a very dominant team they you know they got in their own way from time to time but and obviously she did at the end of it but they were a threat all season long very much in equal parts because of both of them being such threats in the game together as a dominant team her best single moment was in the elimination I forget what it's called but where you hang upside down you got your uh, a rope on your hands and your feet and you're shimmying from one end of the a log to another and back her and Leroy take down bananas and nani uh most and almost entirely thanks to naya being able to do her portion very very quick and give leroy such a big lead that nani wasn't even able to finish before bananas could go that was definitely her best moment strengths and weaknesses her strength is she is tall and strong i believe she said in one of the clips coming out she's six foot um which definitely every inch of that has always been the tall strong that strength and leverage is a 
big asset depending on the types of daily challenge or eliminations you get. The more physical, the better for her. Her weakness has definitely been her temper as it has literally got her sent home before in the occasional outburst. Has that fully gone away? By all accounts, it has, which leads me to my one wish for Naya, who I have been continuing to follow on social media and has been very prominent in recent year or two, that by all accounts, she has done a lot of growing, a lot of learning, a lot of looking back on you know her time on reality television, how it impacted her and how she wanted to be different or change or grow in any single way and has done all that work. And my one wish for her is that she is around on this season of All Stars plenty long enough to show off this growth that by all accounts she has made and she gets that full redemption arc that again, by all accounts and everything I've seen from her, she definitely deserves to have that moment to have us all recognize what an awesome person and an awesome woman she has become. Sylvia is up next. Uh, I didn't actually look here, but maybe along with Kayla, the most recent of you know debuts and whatnot. She her OG season of the Real World was Real World Skeletons in 2015. It's only seven years ago. Challenge debut season 29 Invasion. Last seen on season 32 Final Reckoning, where she made her one and only finals appearance. Three seasons of the challenge that won finals on Final Reckoning, no wins. Three daily challenge wins, five and one in eliminations. One of the unsung elimination queens that doesn't always get the due for how well she has performed in those circumstances. A rookie to all stars. Her best performance for sure is on Final Reckoning, where she made that finals appearance alongside teammate Joss. And her best moment has to be of the mini elimination wins, the her versus Melissa in the kind of a balls in uh, a variety, a version of balls in where they had to, you know, basically mud wrestle with a ball to a, to a scoring line and get the ball across. And it was a very memorable elimination, very physical, dirty elimination, both in the type of play and literally they were, you know, in mud and oil and stuff, but winning that one, definitely her kind of defining moment strengths and weaknesses wise strength wise. Again, is seen as a little bit, uh, her athletic prowess is not uh, appreciated or respected necessarily, which can be a big advantage when you're kind of seen as an underdog. You can act like one, and that can give you a little bit of a mental edge. She has used that to her advantage before. I suspect that could be the case again on this season of All-Stars. Weaknesses, I could see a version of this season where some of the OGs of OGs, the ones that have been around forever, might look at some of these newer people like a uh, Sylvia and be like, hey, 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 you deserve to be here, but also you don't. And so like, I could see an alliance building up of we pick off the people who have done the least amount of seasons or the newest people first. And that could very much work against Sylvia as being one of those people. My one wish for her has to be that she has a, a political game. She is willing to make some moves. And in the trailer and the promos we've seen, I think she was, you know, there's a moment in the trailer. She says like, I'm here to cut heads off. I want that. I want some of the newer school players, if they're going to be involved in All-Stars, then bring that cutthroat mentality, shake this up a little bit as much as I like the laid-back vibes, the fun atmosphere of All-Stars. If we can find the proper mix of that atmosphere, but with some true backstabbing, some real cutthroat, vicious play, I'm all for it. I think she could bring that. That is my one wish for her. 
on to Melinda Real World Austin way back in 2005, one of my absolute favorite seasons of the real world right when I was at the right age to just be full-blown real world maniac. Debuted on the challenge season 12, Fresh Meat in 2006, and last seen in the final on All Stars 2 just last year. Has done four flagship seasons, did not make a final or a win in either of those four seasons. Six daily challenge wins to her name, 0-4 in eliminations in the flagship. Then came on to All Stars last season, made that final as we've said did not quite get that win in the controversial final that was all-stars two and two daily challenge wins and two and oh in eliminations one of those technically her opponent quit but still did the elimination still gets the win still two and oh there to get that elimination monkey off her back her best performance therefore is obviously all-stars two the two eliminations wins the finals having a great alliance all season long her best moment had to be those two elimination wins specifically the second one with Nehemiah by her side, her old cast member by her side, and being a part of the Save the Palace Alliance. It was all, all great. Strength-wise and weaknesses actually kind of mirror each other. The obvious strength is she has a ready-made alliance coming into this season, not just with herself, Nehemiah, and Latarian carrying over from last season, but throw Wes in, and they've got three real-world Austin cast members who have always been good friends and stuck together coming in. And she's a smart social player, so Alliance is ready-made, ready to go. But the flip side of that, that ready-made made Alliance in the West of it all may very well make her in real-world Austin a target as the defined her and Nehemiah's previous flagship experience on this show was defined by the hatred towards, for one reason or the other, real-world Austin cast. A lot of it having to do with Wes. So good side, bad side, maybe, you know, we there's also a possibility that there's a, a, a you know a vote during the cast of like let's get the people who have made an all stars final out of here. I could see that being a path we go down, which would not benefit her. So strengths and weaknesses there. My one wish is she gets a shot at a true one-on-one elimination to get that type of win and sense of accomplishment. She got the one-on-one elimination last season, but again, Tina decided not to participate. And so while there was some sense of accomplishment, I'd love to see her get that first win in a one-on-one. It's all me. It's all on me. And I pull it off and get that accomplishment. That's what I want for Melinda most this season. Kellyanne is next. Real World Sydney 2008, her OG season, debuted on the challenge on the island in 2008 as well. A busy first year in reality television for her. Last seen on All Stars 1 in 2020. She did four seasons of the flagship show, one finals that was in the ruins, no titles, although they almost pulled off that epic upset in that final. Daily challenge, only one daily challenge win ever. Five and three in elimination. Solid record there. One All Star season and made the final back on All Stars 1 a couple years ago two daily challenge wins in the all-stars world and no eliminations on that season of all-stars her best ever performance was on the ruins for sure there was a lot going on with her that season dating Wes and the controversy that caused her in the household at the time when Wes was very much disliked by basically everyone and she was dating him so not uh great for her in the house her best friend she uh Evelyn she had to go against and Evelyn kind of let her win that elimination she goes on her and Sarah almost pull off the uh upset on two First, like seven or eight in the final, which is her best moment ever. Definitely that entire final is like, holy shit, I can't believe they almost they almost pulled it off. And I, I really wish they would have. Um, strength and weakness wise, strengths, she is my top pick on physically on the female side. She's got the endurance, strength, size, smart. She's got it all. She's a five-tool player. 
And on the flip side, that means she's seen as a threat, which is a weakness. And she always seemingly, even though she's a lovely person, it seems like she always finds a way to be on the wrong side of alliances or relationships or whatever on the season she is done. So that could be a weakness. My one wish for Kellyanne, I will just come out and say it forthright. I have long adored Kellyanne very, very much. She feels like a challenge champion to me. So I say my one wish is for her to get that title. If I had to pick one woman that I'm most rooting for to win this season, it is Kellyanne. Let's make her a challenge champion. It feels like she is. It feels, I mean, she's very much deserving, very much has all the tools to do it. Let's make it happen. That is Kellyanne. Then we've got Tina. Did not think we'd get Tina back after last season, last scene on All-Stars 2. She bowed out, deciding it wasn't the place for her to be mentally and just, you know, emotionally, wherever she was at in life. But she has decided to come back again. OG season, Road Rule South Pacific, way back in 2003. Season 7, The Gauntlet in 2004 was her challenge debut. Last scene again on All-Stars 2. She has done five flagship seasons, two finals on Inferno 2 and Fresh Meat. Did not win either of them. 13 daily challenges wins three and one in eliminations in that one all-star season got the one daily challenge win oh and one in the eliminations as we mentioned with melinda it, we're not calling it a dq quit although it kind of could be we're instead they melinda did the elimination so we're calling it an elimination loss her best ever performance is probably on fresh meat where uh she was one of the dominant teams alongside kenny making that final her best moment her most memorable moments probably punching beth I don't know if you want to call that her best moment, some of the wins in the dailies on Fresh Meat, some of the entertainment value she brought on Inferno, and recently on All-Stars 2, the, the fake uh, bathing suit prank she pulled on Ryan. That was hilarious. So there's a lot of great moments we could pick with Tina. Last season, she was one of my absolute most favorite ones that they were bringing back. Love seeing her here again. Hopefully, she pulls a bunch more pranks. Her strengths and weaknesses, strength-wise, she is a dominant personality, which can be a strength or a weakness, depending on the cast and how they react to it but I think it's a strength is as she opened all-stars two season with she's there just to kind of have a good time and it doesn't really matter because she has a fucking kick-ass life outside of it and is very happy and content in that kick-ass life and that could be a big strength to play freely not be too worried about anything on the weakness side, yeah, the game got to her last time. She basically quit last season. It, you know, So that is can be a weakness if this isn't the right situation for her to be in. So that could be a weakness. My one wish for her is, I said it before, I hope she pulls more pranks. Um, I hope that she gets a thousand confessionals per episode that she airs on. That's two different wishes. And I honestly hope she makes it all the way to the final because the more Tina, the better. Love, love, love Tina. So glad she's back. Hopefully this experience for her was much better than the All-Stars 2 one ended up being. We shall find out when All-Stars 3 debuts in a couple weeks. Our returning champion is our next person to discuss. That is John A., OG season Real World Cancun 2009 debuted on Rivals in 2011, last seen on All-Stars 2, winning alongside of MJ, five flagship seasons, no finals or wins there, daily challenge wins were six, two and six in eliminations on the flagship, but then has been, is another one of the three-time All-Star now, two seasons of All-Stars in the books, made the final both times, got the win last season, got tied for third in the previous and All-Stars won, two daily challenge wins, and has not seen an All-Stars elimination, meaning she has played a damn near flawless multi-season social political game in this All-Stars run. Can she do it again? We are going to find out. Her best performance has to be 
All-Stars 2. I mean, she she won, obviously. That's, you know, that's grounds for your best performance ever. And there was it was a deserved win where she performed physically, socially, politically throughout the whole season. Her best ever moment. Honestly, I weirdly take All-Stars 1's final over All-Stars 2 um, final or anything because I just thought she performed so well on All-Stars 1 and it was such a great moment for her and so redeeming. And her and Kellyanne tied if they would have done a male and female winner that season. They would have been tied for that lead. I don't know what they would have done, but that's maybe why they were only doing one winner in the beginning. So that's her best moment. Strengths, weaknesses, strengths. Obviously, the social political game. She both is liked by everyone, but also very much plays the political game, reads the room very well, takes in information very well, moves in the shadows very well, strong political social game. Weakness, she is the returning champion, and I see All-Stars, as I've alluded to on a couple different possible ways this cast could go as far as how an alliance is formed, who's what type of group is decided as the you know, one everyone's targeting. I could very, very much see this is a group of a bunch of finalists, but only maybe half of them have actually won. And so maybe the non-winning finalists say, hey, let's get winners out. And let's start with MJ and John A for winning last season. They're out of here first. So that could put a target on her back. My one wish for her is, honestly, it might not be her wish. Her wish would be to not be in any eliminations, but I'd like to see her go back in elimination. She's played such a flawless game the last two seasons of All-Stars. Let's get her back in that elimination ring and see what she's got. She, you know, previous flagship record, not so great, but still some of those were actually really good, highly contested eliminations. Let's get her back in there and see what she's got there because she's already got that title. She's already got a lot of accolades from the last two seasons. Let's get her in there and get her some elimination wins to round out that All-Stars resume. On to Kayla, our most recent uh, cast member or most recent debut into the challenge world of any of the cast members on this season. Her OG season, Real World, Go Big or Go Home, aka Las Vegas 3, was in 2016, only six years ago. Challenge debut on Invasion in 2017. Total Madness was the last time we saw her on our TV screens in the challenge world. Uh, flagship season, she did five. She made one finals. That was Vendetta's. Did not get the win. Eight daily challenge wins, five and three in eliminations, and is an all-stars rookie coming on to the season. Her best ever performance is certainly Vendetta's, where she not only made the final, but the final four of the finals at the very end there, nearly getting that win, falling just behind Kara in that final puzzle. Her best moment... A handful of them. I think the entertainment value she brought to Invasion, regardless of how it may have eventually ended and whatever, um, was really, really great. Um, and I also appreciated On Vendetta's the entire she dyed her hair blue and Kara kind of had red hair and they were a little bit rivals and then they end up as the last two women on the season and just the kind of red versus blue, the whole thing about it was really, really great and entertainment for from a viewer perspective. Strengths and weaknesses, strengths. She is a very good athlete. She came into the show and was clearly one of the better athletes right away. It, I see no reason why that would have changed from any following her on Instagram and just it's only been six years since she you know came on to real world. So Definitely think that she has that going forward, a little bit of youth on her side. Weakness-wise, she is a very polarizing person in almost every cast that she has been a part of where extreme polarization where like the people that she rocks with, she rocks with. She's made some best friends for life from cast members. She has also made a, quite a few rivals and vendettas over the years from cast members. So it usually gets pretty divided. She's kind of a polarizing figure inside of the house. We'll see if that takes place again here. My one wish for Kayla of all of these cast members, I'd love to see a lot of these people back 
on the flagship, rejuvenate the flagship. It doesn't seem, as we talked about earlier, that they're going that route with the flagship. But if they did, my wish for Kayla is that she has so much fun and does so well on this season that it just, she decides, you know what? I can make some more time in the schedule. I'd be willing to go back to the flagship because we need more Kayla's on the flagship coming back and more recent vets in that world. Glad we're getting her here in All-Stars 3, but hopefully she has such a good time that she hops back on over and is willing to do the main show too. Next up is Jemmy, OG season, Real World New Orleans 2, back in 2010, challenge debut on Battle of the Seasons 2 in 2012, last seen on All-Stars 1, seven flagship seasons, one final, that was on Rivals 2, zero wins, five daily challenge wins, two and five in eliminations, one All-Star season, that was All-Stars 1, where she did make the final, got one daily challenge win, and did not see in elimination thanks to some smart and strategic social play. Her best performance ever probably was Rivals 2. I mean, not just making the final, but I think that season where she performed definitely at her highest. Her best moment, uh, I mean, weirdly, the first moment I think of with her is actually a losing one, so it's not the best moment for her necessarily, but it's just a badass elimination on the first elimination of free agents between her and LaToya. Um, there's also the one where her and, uh, Camilla, I think it might've been have to like run on the little treadmills and throw balls back and forth to each other. Um, but, uh, a lot of them, the other iconic moment that comes up again, maybe not her, her most favorite moment, but the, the ketchup, uh, the cat fear of ketchup being brought up and the ketchup and mustard wars between her and Knight. all of those many memorable moments for Jemmy in this show strengths and weaknesses, strengths wise, her social game. She knows how to play people. She's openly willing to manipulate to her advantage. That is a skill worth having in the world of the challenge. Weakness-wise, has never really been 100% there on the physical side. She's no layup, certainly not far from it, but very middle of the pack on that side and can be seen as that kind of portrayed as a layup, which again, I do not believe she is, but when you're portrayed as that, that means that you are going to probably get thrown in some eliminations and you have to have the really good social game, which she has been able to use on an all-stars one to get, avoid the elimination, get to a final. My one wish for her is simply that she got plenty of great inside info and content on here. She's now, you know, killing it on Patreon by all accounts, making a bunch of challenge related content. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are indifferent. I'm not exactly sure where I stand week to week. Sometimes I love Jemmy. Sometimes I'm like, come on, what are you doing? Now you're like talking shit about people I really like and I don't really like how it's going, whatever. But my one wish was her is that she gets plenty of wonderful content for her and her uh, content career out of being on this. Queen V is next. Veronica making her All-Stars debut. OG season road rule semester at C1999. Challenge debut right after that on Challenge 2000 season three. Last seen on season 32. Final reckoning and crazy, crazy gap between debut and last seen season. One of the longest in the history of the show. Hats off to her for that. She did 11 seasons of the flagship show. Four finals three wins. She won on Challenge 2000, won on the Gauntlet, won on Inferno, made the final on Inferno 2, 41 daily challenge wins to her credit, 42% win rate in those two and three in eliminations, and as we said, is an all-stars rookie. Best performance ever. Uh, Difficult to decide, but I've got to give it to her on the Gauntlet, probably her most complete season, especially the fact that she was able to really avoid eliminations all that season and kind of ran the team a little bit from behind the scenes. Her best ever moment, 
while, you know, she is a part of the greatest hookup and challenge and maybe reality television history, but we would say her actual best moment ever for sure is back on Challenge 2000, nailing the bullseye during the final mission, the solo skydiving, which as we talked about when recapping that season, super illegal these days and super unsafe what they had to do, but Veronica pulls it off, gets the bullseye skydiving solo on her own in in route to her team, winning that final mission, winning some cars and winning the season strengths and weaknesses strength she just has an aura of power and confidence about her uh that can definitely be a big strength it also makes her a little bit of a polarizing character within each and every cast members the similar to what we said with kayla a lot of people love her and if they do they love 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 her but those that don't feel a little bit ostracized by her have been in the past so that can work against her and during her comeback, and from a weakness standpoint, when she came back on a couple seasons and you know, most recently Final Reckoning, she definitely seemed like maybe she enjoyed the wine and the gossip a little more than the competing, which means fantastic entertainment for us, the viewer, but maybe was a little bit detrimental to her game. We shall see which of those you know wins out on this season of All-Stars, but either way, we're going to get great entertainment out of it. My one wish for her is I love the fact that her and Yes are both on this season together. They kind of grew up on the challenge a little bit together. They were on the same season road rules. They then competed together on back-to-back seasons of the challenge. I love seeing them back on a show together, and I would love to see them compete as a pair, either in a daily challenge matching up together or even in an elimination together or a final together. That would be wonderful. And honestly, Maybe I take it back about Kellyanne. Maybe I'm rooting for Queen V to get the win, um, but maybe tied with Kellyanne. We'll go with she along with Kellyanne is the, the on the female side who I am rooting for most to get a win, but Veronica is back and the show is so much better for it. We have now made it through all of the women. There's your uh, 12, 12. Yeah, I can do math, right? That was 12 women that we just profiled and ran through. Now it is time to turn our attention to the guys. And same as we did with the ladies, least uh, flagship seasons to most flagship seasons. That is the order we will go in. And it actually works out great because coming off of talking about Veronica, we just mentioned yes. And yes is our first male competitor to discuss here. His OG season Road Rule Semester at Sea, 1999. Challenge debut season three, Challenge 2000. Like I'd said, pretty much just matched up with the early days with Veronica, both coming off Semester at Sea. Last seen on All-Stars 1, getting that win. Three flagship seasons to his name. One final one win. That was Challenge 2006. Daily Challenge wins during those three seasons. Never saw an elimination on those seasons. He was all pre-eliminations being a thing. Voting off instead. All-Star Seasons, he did the one, All-Stars won, he made the final, he got the win, took home that money, spent it on a lot of things, helping a lot of people, doing a lot of good out in the world, hats off and golf claps to him for that yet again. What a wonderful human. He did so with two daily challenge wins on that season, not seeing an elimination, so another one, get by, get to the final without going in that elimination ring and let his strengths play out, which strengths and weakness-wise, Definitely, he's got the endurance. He proved that during the All-Stars 1. The other thing is just he is a beloved person. He's just such a genuinely awesome person who openly comes into the shows hoping to have a good, you know, life beneficial experience for himself, but also for others, tries to do anything and everything he can for all the other people in the game, in the game and in life. And that very much, you know, sets him up for success in alliances and socially within the house. On the weakness side, 
it could, you know, as we said before with John A., Definitely could be looked at as, yes, you already want an All-Stars. You got to get the hell out of here. Also could be looked at as a threat of like, you want All-Stars one on the back of endurance. And if this thing throughout the season does prove to be ramping up the physicality, ramping up, you know, looking a little bit more like the flagship series, they could start to think, yes, is a big threat in a final again. Let's get him on out of here. I skipped over his best performance. In best moment, his best performance is definitely Challenge 2000. His other two flagship seasons, he you know ended up getting voted off very very early, including first on uh, on Battle of the Seasons, which was just a horrible loss for what ended up being a very good season of the show that could have benefited even more from some of the people got eliminated early, getting to stick around. And his best moments probably winning All Stars one easily could be his best performance. Also best moment either one either way you spin it that is what it is. And his my one wish for him is the same as it was for Veronica. I just for nostalgia purposes um, and hoping that those two are still very good friends. Uh, I want to see the two of them paired together and you know at least a daily challenge, maybe not an elimination because that means they might be going home and I don't want to see that. But want to see those two paired together again all of these years later. Letarian is here, three-time All-Star Letarian here. OG Season Road Rules Maximum Velocity Tour back in 2000. Debuted Extreme Challenge Season 4 in 2001. Last seen, obviously, on All-Stars 2, hence the three-time All-Star. Full uh, Flagship Seasons, three of them. One Finals, that was on Extreme Challenge. No wins on any of those three. 13 Daily Challenge wins, 0-1 in eliminations back then. Done both All-Star seasons, has not quite made the final in either one. Three daily challenge wins and two and two in eliminations, one and one on both seasons. Both of those wins being in pole wrestling. His best ever performance. With There's a few things to pick from, a few things to stand out. Maybe this is a little recency bias for me. It's not a recent moment, but for me, having just watched it a few weeks ago, on Extreme Challenge, there's a huge controversy over a paintball mission. They then have to go to court. His team decides I'm not even literally, I'm, I, I can't believe I just said that out loud again, but they literally go to court, a celebrity court. Um, and, uh, they have to plead their case to get the win in the, the, the mission that was called off previously, his team decides not to do it. Letarian says, I am doing it. I want to go represent us. I'm just going to roll over and quit. He goes in by far wins the arguments, has his day in court, but because his whole team doesn't show up, they doesn't get the win, but the judge gives him the gavel. It's this wonderful moment. I think that might've been his best performance. He stays up all night crafting his arguments. It's wonderful. His best ever moment which pole wrestle do you really want to pick of the two all-stars pole wrestles last season versus Tyler, the season before that versus ACE. You don't want this guy in a pole wrestle period. You know, everyone could say the Kyle is somehow the pole wrestle King. No, 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 no. Letarian is the current reigning pole wrestle King and will be until further notice strengths and weaknesses. His strength is his strength. Obviously again, if you get him in a physical, I get to put my hands on you type of daily or elimination. It's lights out. Letarian's getting that win. He's got the motor. He's got the motivation and he's also just a great, great teammate. Those are definitely the strengths on the weakness side. You know, uh, he just, he hasn't ever gotten over the hump and there isn't like one weakness to point out to why it hasn't quite happened a little bit is, and especially in these last two all-star seasons, a little bit of he's been willing, you know, on all-stars one, he's like, no one, everyone's trying to get out of going into an elimination with Katie. That's bullshit. I'll do it. And then they, you know, lose. And so literally being a good guy, he <laughs> worked against him and a little bit of the same last season. And so, that, I guess, could be perceived as a weakness, but really he just hasn't quite gotten over the hump, and maybe this is the season he does it, which my one wish for him, aside from seeing him in another pole wrestle, which I feel bad for whoever it would be against, but 
it's fantastic television, so let me see it. Um, but my one wish for him is for him to get into that final and get a chance to perform in a final on the challenge in the modern day challenge because he is one of those that definitely was just way before his time. If the challenge that we know today would have been the type of game they were playing back in Latarian's heyday, Latarian would have been kicking ass and taking names season after season. So I want to see him in an all stars final. Our returning champion is next. That is MJ OG season, real world Philadelphia back in 2005. Challenge debut on the gauntlet two in 2006. Last seen winning All-Stars 2 alongside partner John A. Three seasons of the flagship, one finals and one win. That would be on the gauntlet two. 10 daily challenge wins, two and two in eliminations on the flagship. Has now done that one season. Last season, All-Stars 2 made the final, got the win. As we said, won one daily challenge along the way and avoided elimination the entire time. His best ever performance you know, I guess you kind of have to say one of the wins and you'd probably say the one win that wasn't a team-based one. So you'd probably say all-stars too, but honestly his run on gauntlet two and then on gauntlet three coming in as a replacement and the kind of the, when he came in as a replacement, everyone would be like, Oh my God, thank goodness. We've got this massive man, this huge athlete, MJ. Thank the Lord. That might've been his best moment. Honestly, is just his entrance on that season. And the reaction of like, thank God we got this guy. Um, but you'd probably have to say, you know, undoubtedly his best performance is either one of the two wins strengths and weaknesses. This is a big man, a big former, really great athlete. That's still a very good athlete to this day great athlete for his age. Certainly. I know recently from following him, he had some, some surge, a surgery of some point. I don't know if that was between all-star seasons. If that was after, I don't remember when filming was and when that maybe was happening, but, uh, here's the hoping it doesn't, whatever took place, doesn't take place on this season of all-stars. Uh, sorry if, if that ends up being the case. And I just unbeknownst came across a spoiler of my own. Uh, I hope I didn't do that, but Maybe we did. Who knows? But uh, that's definitely his strength is just his strength, that he is uh, physically very gifted and can compete in pretty much anything you put in front of him physically. Weakness-wise, same thing we said for Yes and John A. He just won last season. It was a bit of a controversial uh, win in two of the or three of the four people that he was in that final versus are on this season. So while I don't think there's any ill will held towards MJ or John A., and it's only held maybe towards the production or the situation, I could see a good chance where Darrell, Nehemiah, and Melinda are like, hey, we like you guys, but we're voting you in every time because we we just feel like we maybe could have got that win last season, so I could see that playing against him. My one wish for him is that he brings the dad jokes. He is uh, seemingly a fantastic father, and his Instagram is full of dad content, and he's got the dad jokes uh all, you know, everywhere you look and he's always been witty and funny in the confessional booth. So give him tons of confessionals, bring the dad jokes, bring the humor. That is my wish for MJ on this season and that he doesn't get hurt. I hope whatever happened was, uh, is, you know, uh, happened off the show and was, you know, as least, uh, impactful as it possibly could be, whatever, whatever it was. The challenge gods have really just given me 
everyone and everything that I'm really wanting in All-Stars because Tyler is back as well. And if you remember back to the All-Stars 2 preview and all of our coverage of that season, Tyler and Tina were the two people I was most excited for coming back into that season. They're both back here for All-Stars 3. Tyler is the next person to discuss OG season, Real World Key West in 2006, challenge debut on The Duel in 2007, last season on All-Stars 2. He did four flagship seasons, made two finals and won both times on Cutthroat and Rivals back-to-back, five days challenge wins to his name four and two in eliminations he has done the previous season of all-stars where he did not make the final had one daily challenge win but oh and one in eliminations losing in that brutal unbelievable pole wrestle matchup versus latarian that we previously mentioned his best ever performance and really i mean his best moment he's got a thousand of them which is why i love him so much he's one of my all-time favorite challenge competitors but performance in moment i have to give to the rivals final and really grouping together the final elimination of him in Bananas versus CT and Adam in the you know two-way hall brawl of sorts elimination to then make the final. And then he comes down with it was pneumonia, food poisoning, a bunch of shit at the same time, and then proceeds to be told, you probably shouldn't compete. And he says, nah, I'm competing. Does a two-day final, one of the first and hardest two-day finals we've had, and gets the win with Bananas and performs unbelievably all the way through. So that's definitely his best performance. Strengths and weaknesses, he was and potentially still is one of the best athletes on the show. It was always kind of not like he didn't talk about it as much or, you know, bring it up as much. But the swimming background is really, really beneficial in all the random things that they are asked to do on the challenge and always was a huge benefit. He's a bigger, stronger guy. He still seems to have a lot of that in him. So that's a strength. Everyone loves him, which is uh, usually a strength in the house as well. Weakness wise, though, there's always been this thing between Key West and Austin, and it's kind of fake, but it's kind of not, um, you know, mostly between Bananas and West, but really between those two seasons of the real world that went back to back and then as they intermixed on the challenge. And so he's here as a solo Key West. There's three real world Austin. That could be to his detriment. We shall see. My one wish for Tyler is admittedly... Uh, I don't know if he is my number one person I am rooting for to win on the male side, but he might be my number one person I am rooting for to make the final just purely because he's my number one person I'm rooting to be entertained by. So I just want a long season. I want as much of him as possible. I would love to see a Tundra appearance again. I don't feel like we got as much Tundra as we deserve in season one. So I hope there's a bunch of parties at this um, unbelievable challenge house. Uh, Both Tyler and or Tundra are front and center in a lot of them. Nehemiah up next, arguably the face of the Challenge All-Stars through two and now a third season. OG season, Real World Austin 2005, Challenge debut, The Duel 2007, last seen on All-Stars 2, of course. Four flagship seasons to his name, one final where he also got that one win, the Gauntlet 3, seven daily challenge wins, a 21% win rate, three and three in eliminations on the flagship, has now been on both All-Stars season where he made the final in All-Stars 2, did not get the win, three daily challenge wins, three and one in eliminations on those two seasons. His best ever performance is probably the gauntlet three, actually, where he was, uh, you know, pretty much the most dominant on the males on his team. It was really kind of an unsung leader of that team to get all the way to the end and eventually pull off the upset win in that very famous, uh, very, very famous and iconic 
final mission, um, but arguably as well last season, just how much he ran the game, ran the one of the major alliances, made the final, performed incredibly throughout multiple elimination wins. You could argue All-Stars 2 is his best ever performance and featured a handful of his best ever moments. All of the Save the Palace content definitely is probably arguably his best ever moments. Strengths and weaknesses, he is a people person through and through, and it kind of flipped, whereas in his flagship seasons, being a part of that real-world Austin cast, again, I will say it throughout this preview and throughout the season as we cover it probably there was always this weird thing where everyone hated real world austin cast for some reason or just maybe not hate is the wrong word but went against them in the challenge but it's very much flipped in the world of all-stars where nehemiah has arguably been the face of the first two seasons he's seen given the toast at the beginning of last season he's leading one of the biggest alliances everyone's liking him vibing with him the whole thing so feels like he flipped something that used to be a weakness into a strength um, on the, and also then we saw all throughout last season, damn good shape is definitely working his ass off to be ready to get a W here on all stars. So that's certainly a strength is always a strength in this show. When you got it, he's definitely got plenty of that and a motor to keep him going through all the endurance portions on the weakness side. Again, the double-edged sword of, so do people like Real World Austin now? Do they like Nehemiah enough so much that now that Wes is there, the Wes of it all, is that going to cause problems for Nehemiah? Those two are seemingly best buds in real life. They live in the same town. They work together a lot outside the show. They're great, great friends still to this day. So is Wes coming back in going to either help a Nehemiah in a Melinda and bring the trio of all Austin folks bring him into the, you know, what's carries over the save the balance Alliance, or is it going to work against him? Who knows? But my one wish for him is that regardless of having his, you know, real good buddy West back in the fold, that Nehemiah gets to continue his kind of run as a leader of people on this show and that it does not become the West taking over the, you know, the Austin Alliance or West totally overshadowing in any way. I want to see Save the Palace continue. I want to see Nehemiah continue to thrive on this show. That is my definite wish for him this season. A true OG next, that would be Cyrus, real-world Boston alum back in 1997, debuted on Season 4 Extreme Challenge, kind of Season 2 of the show, really, um, when he made a, a brief debut, getting the all-time cameo, getting to referee the game versus Reggie Miller and Kobe Bryant. So on season two, he makes his first challenge appearance, but his challenge debut as a competitor season four extreme challenge. Last seen on All-Stars 1, he did five flagship seasons, made one final, got the win in that season. That would be extreme challenge. 26 daily wins to his credit, two and two in eliminations. He has been on the All-Stars the one time, first season, one daily challenge win, did not make a final or win and was eliminated from that best performance ever from Cyrus. You know, it would, it's hard not to say the one season where he was a part of the winning team back on extreme challenge. Uh, I in particular remember a, a, one of my weirdly favorite and I say weirdly cause it was such a, just kind of an odd uh, elimination, but him versus Adam King on the ruins where they played this uh, elimination round where they had like a triangle that they had to turn to direct water want towards their bucket or towards their opponents. And it was just a really 
interesting and cool elimination that is always top of mind for me. So that was a great moment for him. He's had many, many over the years, usually involving him saying something funny, telling it like it is. He's got a great new podcast called Explicitive Happens, aka Shit Happens, that you should go check out. It's got its own Instagram page. It's linked on all of his social profiles. Check that out, which leads me to strengths and weaknesses. Uh, you know, he's definitely the other thing you should check out his Instagram is this is a man on a freaking mission. He has been over the last, I don't know how many months, if not year, two years on an incredible fitness journey. He is shredded up right now. And I think we're, this was filmed kind of in the middle of all this happening. So he's going to be looking good being a fierce competitor on this season. But even now they put him on all stars Four. this man's going to wipe the floor with some people. He is absolutely putting in the work. It is super motivational. You should check it all out. I personally have been very, very motivated by how just unbelievable of a transformation he has undergone in recent months and years. And so he's got the physical abilities. He's got strong social ties to some of the other real OGs in the house on the weakness side. We, you know, we'll see if, occasionally he can butt heads with someone. If someone says something he doesn't like, he's never going to hold his tongue. He's going to tell it like it is. He's going to tell it like he sees it. That could draw him into being, you know, a target for someone else. It has in the past. Maybe it will again. My one wish for him though, is even if it turn would turn out to be detrimental to his game, I love seeing Cyrus in a verbal altercation. I just got to say it. I love seeing him hear some bullshit and call out that bullshit it's great. It's what makes his new podcast very good. It's what makes him great on this show. So here's the hope and someone spouts some bullshit somewhere in his vicinity and he can lay down the truth. And overall, uh, let's, let's see some of that. Maybe they bring some of that Instagram workout content into the world of the challenge. And we get to see a few months back what that transformation process has been like hats off to him again, looking forward to Cyrus on all stars three. The Godfather is here, executive producer himself, Mark Long, jumping back into the competitor side of things again here on All-Stars 3. Obviously, the OG season, the truest of OG seasons, Road Rules First Adventure, 1995, 27 years ago. Challenge debut season 2, aka season 1 of the Challenge Real World Road Rules Challenge, 1999. Last seen on All-Stars 1, last seen all over the television screens right now with uh, celebrity, worst cooks, celebrity. That's so 90s edition just debuting. Check that out. He has been fantastic in the first episode of that. And he's got other shows in the works. He's got all kinds of production in the works. He is the creator of All Stars for all intensive purposes, the creator of the We Want OGs movement, puts this whole thing together. He is the executive producer. We owe so much to him for this show being on our screens. His flagship season stats six seasons, four finals. Two wins on season two, Real World Rollers Challenge and Battle of the Sexes. The other two that he made a final but didn't get a win was Gauntlet 2 and Duel 2. Daily Challenge wins, 33% win rate, 0-1 in eliminations in his career on the flagship. His one season of All-Stars, season one, he did make the final. He did not get the win. He won two daily challenges, though, and an elimination. So that was big to get that elimination add to his resume. We should also mention he's hosted a season. He has hosted multiple reunions of seasons. He is the godfather of the challenge and reality television. His best ever performance, while it wasn't his win, from a challenge perspective, a more modern challenge perspective, the Duel 2, his performance on that season is absolutely fantastic and his best performance for sure as far as how he did as an individual performer and competitor in the game. 
but you could arguably say his best performance is literally creating all-stars. That's that's pretty big time. Uh, best moment, creating we won OGs again. All right, I'll get off of that. But he's had a hand. He's had so many over the years. Again, he's not called the godfather for nothing. Too many moments to pick from. Mostly, I just can't wait for him to introduce himself and give the classic, you know, height, weight, twisted steel, all the measurements. Can't wait to hear it. Look forward to it every single season. Strengths and weaknesses is that he is an absolute beast of a man. Big, strong, big time guy. If he gets to put his hands on you, if strength is involved, if, you know, if heart is involved, this guy's going to be able to bring it. Weaknesses. Strength and weakness, double-edged here. Certainly was a strength on All-Stars 1. It definitely looked like not only what he has done in all his entire time on the challenge, in the challenge world, he's always been looked to as that leader of the group. Even back on Season 2, Real World Rose Challenge, he was the one that was always the like group leader that would introduce himself to the new mayor every single mission and would like be the one asking the questions and explaining everything. He was just kind of the group leader. And now, obviously, he created All-Stars, essentially. And so on that first season of All-Stars, he was very clearly looked at as like, we can't go after Mark. Like, we're all here because of him. Like, we kind of owe him a little, which maybe that still exists. Maybe that is still, uh, you know, a strength for him. Or maybe it flips and it turns into a weakness where everyone says, hey, you, you, you're an executive producer. You're getting tons of value out of this show already. You can get out of here. You don't need to be competing anymore. And, or it would be legendary to take out the Godfather. That can definitely work against him. My one wish for him is this, that he has a damn good time competing because as much as he's doing big, big things behind the camera, behind the scenes, I want to keep seeing him on the camera, on my screen as well. And he is my number one draft pick that has to be involved if all of us fans ever get our fever dream wish in season 40 of the flagship is some amalgamation, some combination of all-stars flagship all joined together. I want to see if there's any long-term true OG of the show. I want to see go back and play with the kids on the flagship it is if Mark Long would be do, willing to do that one single time. So I want him to have so much fun competing on this show that he decides, you know what, I'll do it. If they get to a season 40, I'll go back. I'll play against the kids half my age, third my age. I don't care. I'll still come in twisted still. I'll still tear shit up. That's what I wish for from The Godfather this season. I am thrilled to be saying that the next person we are going to talk about is Jordan. I cannot believe Jordan is here on All Stars, but I am so glad that he is. OG season Real World Portland 2013 challenge debut on 20, excuse me, season 24 Rivals 2. 2013 as well last seen on total madness season 35 he has done six flagship seasons made four finals won three times in those six seasons battle the x's two dirty 30 war of the world's two made the finals and rivals two but did not quite get the win daily challenge wins 22 of them for a 39 percent win rate and should be said that is without you know very few team wins in there that's individuals and pairs he is a dominant player he is eight and two in eliminations in his career again dominant 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 player, three wins in six seasons. You can tell by now I am a big, big, big fan of Jordan. Has not done All-Stars before. He's an All-Stars rookie. His best ever performance, it's tough to pick because they've all been so good. Um, On a recent podcast with the Challenge Fandom podcast where we rated the best single seasons ever done in Challenge history, spoiler, you should go listen to that. And if you don't follow or check out all the content Challenge Fandom is putting out, please go do that. Unbelievable work over there. Unbelievable content every single day on their Instagram. Their podcast is great. The Facebook group is great. 
All of it's great. But on that podcast with them, I did come to the conclusion that Jordan's season of War of the Worlds 2 is the hands-down most impressive season in the history of the show. That's obviously then his best performance, but arguably Dirty 30. Um, f- winning the final on a basically a broken leg after the the uh, they opened the final with the uh, skydiving in and his you know trainer or whatever crash lands them and he fucks up his leg and still wins the final on it. You could pick either one. You could pick anything he's ever done on this show. It's very, very great. Best moment ever. You know, any of the wins, but also even in losses, he's had amazing moments. He has the iconic on free agents calling out bananas, flipping over all the kill cards, losing in the elimination, but fantastic television for all of us. Strengths and weaknesses, strengths. He is the best athlete on this show, period, full stop. He is probably the best athlete in the history of this show, period, full stop. I don't think it's that much of a debate, honestly, and especially coming into this particular season where he is nowadays, current day, you know, post when this season filmed, he is over in Ukraine doing truly unbelievable work, uh, basically joining and, and or starting up a nonprofit. He's been there for basically the, since the war broke out in Ukraine. He has been there on front lines trying to help and get resources to the people who need it most. Go check out his page on Instagram to learn more about that, how you can help, how you can donate. But prior to doing that unbelievable humanitarian effort, prior to when this season actually was filmed and took place, the last couple of years of Jordan's life, he has been a going from a great athlete to an actual like true competitive great athlete running triathlons and the like his endurance is on a whole different level than any of these other people in this house so if he makes the final it will not be close it just will not be they are going to have to eliminate him prior to the final or he will win no matter what because he will run swim kayak any of the endurance parts so much faster than everyone else that it doesn't matter if he maxes out his time on puzzles and shit which he won't um but just no chance. So that's his strength, that if he makes the final, he will win. Just hands down, that's what's going to happen. His weakness, he can be a bit of a dick. He would admit that himself. He definitely has you know, ruffled feathers on every season he's ever been on with someone, if not multiple someones. He definitely comes into this season. I'm interested to see him and Wes together on the season. Last season, the Total Madness, they were kind of at each other's throats, and Wes was the reason he got sent off. Should be said, just to keep giving Jordan more and more flowers, eight and two in eliminations, and one of those eliminations losses is in pole wrestle to Fessy. Not the most uh, fair for a guy who had a bum shoulder at the time in pole wrestle, not a game that's very advantageous to someone who only has one hand. So you could almost even remove that one, but he applauded the decision to put him in in an obviously shit situation for him. So him and West wonder how that'll go. But my one wish for Jordan on this season is I will come out and say it. I want to see him win. I want him to, because I want him to continue to cement the legacy that I think he has is arguably the best to have ever done it. He doesn't quite have the accounting stats to catch up to a bananas or CT by have just not having done enough seasons. Um, but three out of six, four out of six finals, the best athlete the show's ever seen, one of the best entertainers the show's ever seen. Love him or hate him, he's fantastic television. My wish for Jordan is that he wins this season of All-Stars. 
Darrell up next, the OG GOAT, the first ever GOAT, the 4x4 champion who then went on to do five more seasons, but still can be remembered as the original 4x4 champion. Debuted on Road Rules Campus Crawl 2002, then the Gauntlet Season 7, last seen on All-Stars 2. He is another one of the three-time All-Stars now. Nine flagship seasons, four finals, four wins. Gauntlet Inferno, Inferno 2, Fresh Meat, his first four seasons of the show. Should have had a fifth win in five tries on the Ruins when he he, you know, ends up punching out, knocking out Brad, um, getting kicked off the show. Otherwise, would have been a part of that dominant winning team. 39 daily challenge wins, six and four in eliminations, two all-star seasons, made the finals in both times, and but not has not gotten the win. Four daily challenge wins, one and one in eliminations on all-stars. His best ever performance. It's kind of hard to pick between the four wins, but probably got to be fresh meat where it was the first one. It wasn't a team. It was a pair. And winning that season is, you know, kind of cemented that it wasn't just being a part of good teams, but it was also being one of the best players on all those very good teams. Um, That's definitely his best performance. You know, most memorable moment might unfortunately be him knocking out Brad, uh, but um, his best moment is any of the wins over the season, any pick a confessional. He's always been hilarious and good and witty in the confessional booth. Um, you know, him doing a tangram puzzle and calling it tangerine, uh, anything like that. All of it's great. Darrell's great strengths and weaknesses. He is definitely one of the best athletes in the, in the show, even at a more advanced age compared to some of the newer, younger competitors coming into the all-star world. He, you know, just having opened a gym. If you're out living out in the Sacramento area, go check out his new gym. He has been getting in fierce shape yet again, a la similar to how Cyrus really getting after it and kind of being back on this show, I think has got spurred him to be like, I don't want to just be good in good shape for my, you know, my age or whatever. I want to be in fucking great shape for anyone anywhere. So, uh, we will probably see that weakness wise, is really it's not an actual weakness of his but just kind of the the shines kind of off of Darrell at this point you know he was that four by four champ he's always regarded this guy but then he's done a couple recent seasons of the flagship he's been on both all-star seasons made the final not able to get the win and so kind of the shines just a little gone and the intimidation factor that used to be there is a little bit gone it seems potentially with him and so especially with you know, uh, you know, a Brad and a Mark being in the shape they're in and a Derek and a Wes and a Jordan coming in as a little bit younger versions that are also in killer shape. He's, you know, not really a weakness of his own, but just by proxy of where he was in the standing in the stature in any season he walked in, he's no longer in that place necessarily walking into this season, which means instead in seasons past, He's been avoided as a target because of a little bit of a fear factor. That seems to be gone. My one wish for him is that he can get that back. Um, you know, I would love to see him win a couple individual daily challenges. I'd love to see him go into elimination and absolutely whoop some ass and get some of that gravitas back to him. That is my definite wish for Darrell on this season of All-Stars 3. Derek is up next. Road Rules Extreme debut back in 2004. Battle of Sexes 2 Challenge debut in 2005. Last seen on All-Stars 2, another three-time All-Star. All-Star-er? Yeah, that's a word. I just made it up. That's a word. Fair enough. Ten seasons of the flagship. Five finals. Inferno 2 and Dirty 30 made but did not win. Three times he took home the win. A personal three-peat on Inferno 3, Island, and Ruins. 42 daily challenge wins to his name. Nine and five in eliminations. Make that ten and five when you throw in that mercenary win versus Joss. Two all-star seasons. Made the finals in the first one. Did not in the second one. Three daily challenge wins. 0-1 in eliminations. Losing to Brad on last season by a hair and a 
very good elimination round. His best ever performance is definitely, even though uh, he did not win uh, on this season or even make the final, the gauntlet to becoming the team captain early on, going through a bunch of eliminations and a bunch of memorable ones. That certainly is way, way up there as far as his performances go. And then obviously the three seasons he won, he had great, great performances on. Best moment, there's a ton of them, but how can you not say coming in and beating Joss on Vendettas as a mercenary? Maybe the greatest elimination in the history of the show, certainly in recent years of the show, without a doubt. Gets me on, I've watched it 37 times. This is my best guess how many times I've watched all the way through that elimination. Every single time I end up standing up and on the edge, just on the edge of my nerves watching it and so thrilled by it. He's also in a loss, had the iconic pole wrestle versus West. That would be pretty interesting to see him and West go at it in a pole wrestle. In fact, I'm just going to skip ahead right to my one wish. I want to see Derek and West do a pole wrestle for old time's sake to relive that iconic moment from the duel. That would be incredible. And just to see Derek in a pole wrestle ring, that would be amazing. Strengths and weaknesses. He's got the heart. He's the little pit ball, the pit bull, the bulldog, whatever you want to call it. This man is a problem when he gets to get in the ring and get physical with you. Weaknesses, he, definitely the puzzles and the math uh, leave him a little bit, you know, wanting for a good partner or a good team around him. But if he's got that, then kick ass. He's he can go all the way. He can get all the way and get you a win. Definitely also. I would say has as good a relationships in the house as anyone by product of his fantastic podcast challenge mania along with Scott Yeager. Obviously, you know, that has kept him very in the world of the challenge. He along with Mark are kind of, you know, in season one, were looked at as like, you know, you're the, you're the people that kind of run the challenge world a little bit. You've got all this power, not in the specific game, but in the world of the challenge and, and all this, you're doing all the events, you're inviting us to him, this, that, and the other. So that I would think gives him a leg up socially and politically. It certainly did on the first season. It didn't work as well on the second season. We'll see if he can use it to his advantage. But again, my one wish let's see, let's see Derek in a pole wrestle for old time's sake. And if possible, let's see it versus West to really bring back those dual memories. That would be what I want to see from him. Then we've got Brad. Brad, Real World San Diego 2004, challenge debut Battle of Sexes 2 in 2005, last seen on All-Stars 2, coming up just short of the final 10 flagship seasons, four finals, dual gauntlet three, dual two. He did not win cutthroat. He did get the final win. 42 daily challenge wins to his uh, resume, six and six in eliminations, including some iconic wins of those six wins. One All-Star season last season, did not quite make the final or win. Three daily challenge wins, one and one in elimination, beating Derek, but losing along with Jody to Darrell and Janelle in the final elimination before the final. Obviously, uh, coming out of last season, some controversy surrounding the final daily challenge they were a part of. Um, more on that in a moment. His best ever performance Probably, even though he didn't win like he did on Cutthroat, Duel 2 is probably his best performance, if not Duel 1. Either one of those you could take. Uh, very near wins in both of them in iconic elimination victories for different reasons in both. Speaking of, his best ever moment has to be beating Landon. The only person to ever beat Landon at anything 
literally. Uh, you know, obviously, Landon didn't win 100% of his daily challenges ever, but he won a hell of a lot of them. But the only person who ever beat Landon in an elimination or a final is Brad on Duel 2 and was a part of getting Landon into that and being willing to take on Landon in that last elimination. That was definitely his best performance moment. Everything, strengths and weaknesses, strengths. He's a great athlete. He's kept himself in fantastic strength uh, shape. He is a very, very strong guy. And he's got the motor, he's got the endurance, got all of that. Weakness side is his aggression can get the best of him at times. And again, that while controversial, and maybe they didn't get given clear rules on that last daily challenge, his, you know, just deciding to use the strength only and not being willing to use his brain cost them the daily challenge, ended up in elimination, got them eliminated. So that definitely can play against him. But I will say for my wish for Brad, which doubles as my wish I should have said or brought up for both Nehemiah, Melinda, and Darrell, I kind of referenced it, but all, all four of them are returning after a season where you know production really seemed to have some issues um, of creating a proper, totally balanced or straightforward game in the end of last season in the final. So for all of them, Darrell... Nehemiah, Melinda, and Brad, who maybe were on the you know disadvantageous side of that, as well as even MJ and John A, who even though they won, had to be a part of this complete clusterfuck of a situation. All of them. I just want things to be straightforward, to feel fair, and to get a complete and fair shake of it. And I want Brad to. I want to see Brad get physical. I want to see you know the mud wrest mud wrestling that we got a clip of in the in the. Um, trailer. That's the type of stuff I want to see Brad doing. I'm glad we're going to get to at least see a little of it. Here's the hope and we get to see a whole heck of a lot of it. And then there was one. The final contestant to discuss is one Wes Bergman. Real world Austin fame back in 2005 debuted on the challenge on Fresh Meat season 12. Last seen season 36 double agents back in 2021. 14 flagship seasons, five finals to his name. Fresh Meat Rivals and War of the Worlds 1 made the final, did not win. Duel and Rivals 2, where he got his two victories. 23 daily challenge wins to his name. 14 and 9 in eliminations. The most eliminations ever, the most wins ever. And is a rookie to this all-stars world and is coming in hot. Or as he would say, bring in the lava in every single possible way. Best performance for Wes difficult to say because part of me wants to say war of the world's one, even though he didn't end up winning, but just the hardest final ever kind of grooming a few new players and teaching them his ways during that season, really dominating that game socially and politically. But you could say, I mean, he won the duel. He had the iconic victory over Derek that we talked about in the pole wrestle. He won rivals two with CT a lot, lot to pick up from a best performance, a best moment with West. There's been a lot of them over the 14 season run. Strengths and weaknesses, strengths. He would like to tell you that all of them, every single possible thing is his strength, every single aspect of the game. And honestly, it'd be hard to tell you that uh, it's not, um, but I would say his weakness is <laughs> the overconfidence, real or put on, regardless. It definitely works against him. And definitely from the trailer and from what he's putting out on his Instagram personally, 
He's coming into this one confident. He thinks he's going to win this thing. No problem. That obviously isn't necessarily the best place to be, but or it could be the best place to be. Who knows? Maybe it works to his advantage, but his strengths are pretty much all of them. He's in unbelievable shape um, right now. He has you know, regained his, if he ever even lost it, which I don't know he ever really did, but he is jacked up, ready to go fierce competitor obviously loves the political social manipulative game of the challenge more than anyone else maybe in the history of the show he's got that going for him my one wish for Wes is that Wes gets to pull the one if not more but at least one real genuine awesome move that he can brag about for the entire offseason going on and that he gets tons of wonderful, great insights, similar to what I said about Jemmy and should have even said about Derek. He's got an unbelievably kick-ass Patreon as well, putting out all kinds of great content on there. Hopefully he gets lots of inside stuff and is able to share that on his Patreon as we watch the season. But my wish for him is just that he gets to pull some of the moves. He gets to relive and uh, go back through the part of the challenge he loves, which is the political side, the manipulating side, the scheming side. I hope he gets every opportunity to do all the scheming. Wes is back. I We're all better for it. I can't believe it. I am so excited for it. There will be more on him in a moment. But that is our final cast profile. You stuck through all of them. That's 24 people. We tried to go as quick as we can. Something on all of them. Now... We move on to the final phase of this preview palooza, if you will, and that is we are going to talk about some expectations for the season, some hopes for the season, and some questions we have going in, and we're going to do so through three different lenses, politically, socially, and competitively. So let's move into that and gear up to talk expectations, hopes, and questions. Let's talk through the three phases of the game and the challenge, really. There's the politics in the social, they kind of go hand in hand, but they are a little bit separate. And then there's actually the competitive portion, the game portion, the sport portion of the show. Let's talk about all three of those phases and let's talk some expectations for each of those phases, some hopes for each of those and some questions for each and every one of them, starting with the politics of the game. Politically, what am I expecting on this season from this cast in this, the little we know of the format or of all stars in general, politically, first and foremost, I am confident that Wes is going to come in and try to run the game. We literally see that in the trailer to some degree, and I just don't see any other way that Wes Bergman is coming onto a season of the challenge at this point and not being over the top trying to be the kingpin run the game. So I expect that fully, and I fully expect that Jordan will be his main antagonist, the main maybe target of Wes. I see that carrying over from Total Madness and Wes being the first one to point out that Jordan's going to kick everyone's ass in the final if they let him get there. So that is an expectation politically is that Wes versus Jordan becomes a thing and that Wes trying to run the game. I fully expect a real-world Austin, as we talked about in each of their little profiles. Wes, Nehemiah, and Melinda, I expect that to be a thing. I know that, you know, I'm pretty sure Melinda is very good friends with both of them still to this day as well. Certainly Nehemiah, we saw that last season, but I know Nehemiah and Wes are super tight. I expect those three. It will be a thing, whether it becomes a thing of real-world Austin plus a Letarian who was very much with Nehemiah and Melinda in the King's Palace Alliance last season. Maybe that's a thing. Who knows? Maybe Nehemiah is torn if Letarian and wants to bring in some others and like, let's do King's Palace 2.0, but you know, not so much this real world Austin thing. Who knows? But I expect real world Austin will be a thing one way or the other. I fully expect 
politically, the women to have no real connections to each other, kind of looking over the cast. There isn't the obvious connection between the women. You know, they're pretty spread out over what seasons they were a part of, what alliances they've been a part of over the years, things like that. And so I expect big personality, aka Tina, Veronica, Jemmy could either going to create leaders or obvious targets of those three and others, but specifically Tina, Veronica, Jemmy, who have kind of big outsized personalities. I mean, everyone that's on this show has a big outsized personality. That's why they're on these shows to begin with, but those three even bigger and more outsized than any of the others. Certainly because there's no, the connections I expect politically, those three either to become leaders or targets from others within the house. And then just to throw out a couple other obvious connections for alliance or political game. Yes, and Veronica, we mentioned, go way, way back to the very beginning. We're doing most of these together in the early years. Jordan and Naya coming from the same real-world Portland, having had their issues certainly on the challenge, but then having seemingly become very good friends again and grown from it in the real world outside of the show since then. So that connection, and then obviously MJ and John A coming back in as champions, having won together last season, that I would assume creates an obvious connection between the two of them. So those are my expectations politically. My One of my hopes, my biggest hope politically, is I would love to see a true OGs kind of get salty at how many younger people people are there and to have a, you know, a Mark, Cyrus, Tina, Veronica, Ronnie, Letary, and Cynthia, that style group come together and be like, you know what, let's do this for the real OGs, throw yes in there as well, apologies, um, I guess, I don't know, uh, but I want to see the, the, the old, if you divide this cast and have older and younger uh, to some degree, I would love to see the older crew rally up and say, let's get some of these people that are a little more fresh faced to the challenge world are now coming into all stars. Let's get them out of here right away. That is a hope of mine. I think that would be a fun dynamic in the house questions I have politically. First thing is where on earth do these people fit in? I can't figure it out. Kayla, Sylvia, Tyler, and Kellyanne. Those four are the biggest question marks to me of who are their obvious alliance? Who are their obvious connections? Who do they even that they don't know, but coming in are obvious like, oh, they're going to get along with this person. I can see it already. They're going to vibe with this person or they're going to not like this person. I have no idea. I can't figure out where they fit in with this cast. Almost everyone else, I can find some way to say, oh, but this person and this person have a history, good or bad, or this person, this person seem like they would obviously align and get along. But where on earth do Kayla, Sylvia, Tyler, and Kellyanne? Those are the ones I just don't I have no idea. It could go any which way. They could be best friends or enemies with any person in the house, and I wouldn't be surprised or shocked. I have no idea. That's my biggest question. And then I previously said it, but I'll just pose it as a question as well. Seriously, which women will be friends in enemies? Like where where will the alliances form? Where will the connections? Obviously, they're going to become some burgeoning friendships that come out of this. But because the the women's side, even more than the men's side, is such a like very even spread out as far as when they were on the challenge, when their runs were across the cast. It's, you know, it, there's no obvious connections. There's no obvious ties. There's no obvious alliances. There's no obvious necessarily like enemies either. There's no one here that really like has gone at each other's throats before. So who's going to be friends? Is it a bedroom thing where, you know, just whoever they end up in the room together, boom, there you go. I spend more time with you. Now we're friends. Is it, 
you know, a couple specific people sit by the pool and have some wine and talk. And suddenly now they've realized they have three different life experiences that are the same and they're best friends ever. And you would have never expected Kayla and Veronica to just be besties, but now they are, you know, what's going to happen with them. So that's, that's politically. Now let's move to socially again, similar, but different than the political on the expectation side. Socially, I expect Mark Cyrus and Letarian to be the ones helping out Cynthia and Ronnie feel like part of the group and kind of looking out for the fellow OGs. Cynthia and Ronnie are in the enviable position of being back on the show. That sounds wonderful. I would love it. But the unenviable position of what we saw from, you know, Steve last year and uh, Sophia last season um, of being the yeah, we're OGs. We deserve to be here, but like none of you know who I am. Like it was way long ago. And I only did a couple seasons and now like it's a totally new world for me to come back into. And so for them to try to feel like part of the group, the all-stars vibe is to even if you target people, even if you get end up with some enemies in the show, it's still a positive vibe. They all like look out for each other to some degree. So I think Cyrus, Mark, and Letarian, especially those three, will be the ones that are right away are like, yo, Cynthia and Ronnie, we it doesn't necessarily mean we're an alliance or anything like that, but like you're a part of this group. You deserve to be here. Let's have a good time. Very much see that happening. Another social expectation. Jordan will drive some people crazy, but will also catch some eyes from at least one woman. I don't, there's not uh <laughs> Speaking of the next point, there's going to be no romance on this season. I don't see any chance socially. There's almost any romance. There's not that many single people on this show. Um, but I do expect Jordan to drive some people crazy. And I do expect at least one time there will be some comment um, by someone, male or female or otherwise, that says something to the effect of, God damn, that guy looks real good, though, even in his weird cowboy hat that he's rocking this season and all the weird hairstyles he might pull. Um, I see him getting both of those. And I don't see any romance on this season, literally at all. I couldn't. I, I comb through the cast at time after time, trying to figure out most of these people are in relationships, if not married, kids, families, the whole thing. Um, and the few that I think are single, I don't technically 100% know. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I don't think there's enough of them for real romantic sparks to really fly anywhere. I don't, I don't see it happening. I would love to see, you know, it's, it's not a challenge season without one little, you know, sideways glance, at least over here, one little kind of flirtatious vibe. But, uh, I think it might be a challenge season without any single spark of romance at all. Final social expectation is Veronica and Tina each will create their own little click. As far as not knowing where the women's alliances will go, I fully see Veronica and Tina both kind of having, building up a two to three other women with them as like their little friend group, their little, uh, you know, the one they sit by the pool with, the one maybe on Tina's behalf, pull some pranks, things of that nature. And I also, if I had to take my best guess at an expectation of who would be in that, I think, something tells me Kayla and Sylvia are going to happily befriend Veronica. If they haven't already, I guess they would have all crossed paths on Veronica when Veronica came back on vendettas and final reckoning. So I could see that trio, I guess if I had to take a stab at the, where the women's alliances go could see that my hopes socially, I just hope it's super messy. I hope, uh, you know, in all in good fun type of messy, I'd hope, you know, nothing untoward happens in any way, no act, you know, hard feelings are hurt, no, you know, real, any nasty stuff, but the, the good kind of messy, you know, this show always is walking that fine line between wanting to promote a little bit of messy for entertainment and drama value without it ever going far enough to be 
really detrimental in any kind of way. I hope with this cast of just, you know, polished professionals on the challenge uh, television screen and with the oddity of where the alliances are and where the connections are with Monks' cast, I, I just want it to get messy. I really, I want it to be confusing as to who's friends with who, who's working with who, all of it. I'm hopeful for that. Questions. Is there a parents versus non-parents divide? Could that ever be created? We've never had that really in challenge history, but could that be where a full divide of the house comes down to? It feels like in the two seasons of All-Stars we've had, we've kind of gotten a just split in a two-way divide in the house of just this side versus this side to some degree, whether you like it or not, you kind of got to fall in and pick one. Could this season be parents versus non-parents? Because there is kind of a pretty even break in the cast. Another question socially, how is Mark Long treated this time around? We said it when we talked about him, but is he still get that reverence as the one who kind of created this whole thing as the executive producer, as the godfather, or is it go the other way and say, yeah, it doesn't mean you just get to walk to the finals, man. You got to earn that question that. And then does, as I also said with Derek, similar thing, does Derek doing the podcast finally help him? Uh, in some way on this show and building, having those connections and being one of the faces of the challenge universe, even without having to be on seasons itself, does that help him socially in this game? Final phase to look at then is competitively. And here we've got three expectations for the competitive side of this. First, Wes and Jordan, they're in their own category. On the male side, from a physical standpoint, uh, we said it about Jordan and we kind of said it about Wes, but we'll more firmly say it here now. While everyone on the male side seems to be in unbelievable shape and working their ass off and everything, I put Wes and Jordan in their own category from the physical ability in the daily challenges, eliminations, and a final. That is an expectation that that will play out on screen. That doesn't mean those two are going to get first and second or win or anything like that, but I think it will be clear that they are kind of in their own category a little bit physically. Second one then, I think Kellyanne, somewhat similar, is going to be in her own category on the female side, but more so is the Jody of this season. What Jody was last season All Stars 2, that biggest threat in that kind of clear, obvious biggest threat on the female side and targeted because of it. I think Kellyanne is going to kind of carry that moniker this season. Third and final competitive expectation is that the physicality is turned way up. I see no reason why we're not. We're going to get pole wrestle for sure. We've got both all-star season. I don't see, I think we saw it in the trailer, glimpsed it maybe. Um, we saw that mud wrestle daily. I think that is just a preview of what could be a the most physical all-star season we have seen to date. Those are the competitive expectations. As for competitive hopes, that would be more individual than pairs or teams, please. I would love to see a much more individual game than the than the partners or partners about I just I really don't want to see them already go to any sort of team and the less team daily challenges the better in my book team ones early the first two or three fine but I want to see I want to see some individual games played and less math but more puzzles is my other hope for the competitive side They've been going really math heavy whenever they implement any sort of puzzle. It's kind of a lot of math these days, and I don't love that as much as I'm all for as many puzzles. If every single thing wants to come with a puzzle attached to it, I am all for that, but I'm way more tangrams, big puzzles, weird, you know, move the sticks to create a formation type of puzzles, anything like that. I just, I don't like the math part. I feel like that's a little bit of, um, I don't know why it feels different to me that that's like, you know, more unfair or more like silly than just random puzzles, but I don't love 
the math portions ever. And then my questions on the competitive side. First one, whose muscles are for real and whose are for show? Um, shout out Gabo on you know Spies, Lies, and Allies openly saying he had those popcorn muscles. I feel like popcorn muscles are more and more a thing the older you get of just trying to keep the looks, but maybe it's not actually all there underneath it. So whose are real, whose are for show? When was this filmed in relation to Cyrus getting absolutely jacked and yoked? Uh, we talked about that with him, but has shout out again to Cyrus and how unbelievably uh, he's taken his fitness now and the shape he has gotten himself into. But I don't know exactly when on the timeline of that happening this was filmed. So excited to find that out. Will anyone quit and will TJ get to yell at them? That's a definite question I have competitively. We've had someone quit on both seasons of All Stars so far. And will, finally, the biggest question of all, will production not totally fuck up the final and or the season this time around? Please, 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 please have learned your lessons from last season and give us a smooth sailing, nice, easy, straightforward, easy to understand, well-oiled machine of a production and a format and everything else and stay out of it. It's like the refs in sports. The less we see them, the less it's about them, the better. The more it's about the players doing the thing, the better. Production, don't fuck this up again. We love you. We thank you for putting on all these wonderful seasons of the challenge for us to watch. But keep your keep your paws and your impints off the season. Don't make you the story again the way it, you were kind of the story at the end of last season. At long last, we come to the final segment of this Preview Palooza podcast for All-Stars 3, and that is where we make our bold, fiery, lava-like predictions for this season. And for the final time, I shall say, again, spoiler-free, this is all actually me just looking at the cast, looking at what little we know from the trailer, and, uh, you know, it's come out about the format, anything like that, and making my own predictions, none of this based on any of the actual info that is out there. If you want to know who wins this season, there are places you can go to find out who exactly wins in every single elimination and all that, but that's no fun, as I've said over and over. I don't understand you if that's your kind of fun to each their own, but I don't get it. I'm here to make my own predictions and watch them all miserably fail to become true when I watch this show episode by episode. So let's start with some predictions on the format and then first out finalist and, of course, the winners of the season. As for the format, um, it's a weird thing to make predictions for, but we don't really know, and it, it changes with each All-Star season, with each season of the challenge in general, no matter the uh, series of the show we're watching. I think it'll be a complete mix of individual pairs, teams, um, in dailies. I think the elimination will be a power pair, somehow figure out two people that pick one person, and I am going to make my biggest prediction as far as format goes is I think they are going to introduce to All-Stars the person put into elimination getting to pick their opponent. That would be my ideal scenario because I just always love when that's the scenario, but that's my prediction is that somehow two people, no matter the type of daily, two people end up in power picking one person to go in and that person getting chosen gets to pick the person they go against. I think it'll be individual eliminations, even if they do two at a time. If they are kicking off a man and a woman every single episode, it'll be individually performed eliminations. Um, and I believe it will be an individual final with eight people running the final. That is all the format-based predictions. And because if I work off of that, 
That is how I will figure out what type of predictions I make for the first out, the finalist, and the winners. So if I get the format wrong and it's 10 people in the final, it's two teams or it's pairs or whatever, I may be very off in the rest of these predictions, but so be it. I think it's going to be a free agent style, almost exclusively individual game. And I really hope for and think that they will allow the person thrown into elimination to pick their opponent each and every time. Definitely hoping for that. All right. As for where people will finish. We did quite poorly on All-Stars 2 in uh, picking and trying to guess and prognosticate who would be first out. We got both wrong. Who would make the finals? Who would win? We got basically all of it wrong. We nailed a couple finalists, but when you pick 10, you're going to get a couple right. So this time around, first out, I am going to go with Jemmy and Cyrus being the first to exit the game. I don't know that I'm basing this on literally anything uh, other than they're not my pick. They were in the group, large group. That wasn't my pick to make the finals. And so I kind of just picked people and maybe I'll get one of these right. Probably not though. This is honestly the hardest thing to actually predict harder than the winner. I feel like is to predict who's going to be the first out. Cause I have no idea who's going to be targeted right away. Um, and there's no clear, you know, there's no layups in this season. There's no one that I'm like, Oh, if they go into elimination, they're going to lose. And so pick them because maybe they'll get thrown in on the first one. And if they do, they'll lose. I don't know, but I'm going with Jemmy and Cyrus, just purely almost drawing names out of a hat out of my non-finalists, um, to go there. We'll see if that's right though. As for finalists, I am going to go again. If I think there's going to be eight of them, there's been 10, uh, the pre 12 first season, 10 the next season. I think there's going to be eight this season. And I am going to go with Kellyanne, Kayla, Veronica, and Ronnie on the women's side. I think Kellyanne is is going to be the, you know the dominant female as I said before of this season so she's in there. I think Kayla and Ronnie are going to be able to hold their own and even if they go into eliminations they're going to be able to win them and they're going to be able to perform really well and get there and I think Veronica is going to use some good social political game to get her way to the final as well. On the male side I think it's going to be Wes, Mark, Nehemiah and Brad. I think Wes and Nehemiah are going to have their way running this game to some degree. Um I think Mark's going to get there. I think Brad's going to get there after getting so close last season. It's a real toss-up on both sides. I don't feel great about any of these finalist predictions necessarily because I I could see none of these eight people making it and not being surprised by the eight people that would then replace them. But Kelly and Kayla, Veronica, Ronnie, Wes, Mark, Nehemiah, Brad, that is the final eight that I think we will be seeing. And then as for the winners, I am going to go ahead and say that Kellyanne and Wes are going to be the winners. And it's going to be very serendipitous because of their former long ago relationship that they had. But as I said, I'm not only rooting for Kellyanne to win on the female side, but I think she is going to, I think she's going to cement her place as a real uh, chat, like a challenge champion that just doesn't have the belt yet, but is every bit of challenge champion in most people's books and really cement her legacy as one of the better players in the history of the game that, you know, was only around for a few seasons and didn't win. So it's not top of mind to think of her when talking about some of the best players ever, but she's always been very good at them. And I think she's going to get it done and prove it on this season. And then on the men's side, I think Wes is going to come in here and get a win. And I don't think we're going to ever hear the end of it for the rest of time. And that's fine by me. My only reservation here is the amount of shit talking he is doing and the amount of promotion he is doing on his own Instagram. He just a couple days ago put out like re doctored up the poster that the show had put out and just put himself on it only stuff like that makes me think 
you know, does that mean that he goes really far and does, or does that just mean he's a team player? He knows how to promote this stuff, market it. He knows a little more from a behind the scenes perspective of like what is needed to make the show successful. And so that's all he's doing. And he is going to, in fact, win. I don't know. I, I had this choice before he's been doing some of this stuff online. And every time he posts something more, I'm like, ah, God damn it. It feels like, you know, you'd be promoting it, but a little bit differently if you won. So now I'm questioning it, but I'm not going to go against it. It's going to be Wes. It's going to be Kellyanne. Mark my words. Those are your all stars, three winners. And with that, we have covered it all. We've predicted things, talked expectations, hopes, questions. We've given every single cast member two, three, four, five minutes of our time. We have talked about the state of the challenge. We've talked about where All-Stars fits into things. We've talked about the few things we know about this season, every single thing. And we have talked for a long, long time. And you have listened for a long, long time for that. I commend you. I thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you so much for being here. It has been a very fun time, and I think this is going to be an all-time season of not just All-Stars, which has only been three, but all-time season of the challenge. I have such high expectations for this thing, and I think it's going to somehow even exceed those. I can't be more excited. I hope you feel the same way. Get that Paramount Plus subscription fired up and ready to go because May 11th, Wednesday, it's going to be there. Later that day, as we talked about at the top of this podcast, we will have episode one and two recaps out that Wednesday, probably Wednesday, Thursday. We'll split them up by a day. They will be two separate podcasts, but maybe even both of them that very same day. Who knows? They will be there and available all season long, every Wednesday afternoon. My episode recaps will be popping up. So check those out. Hit the follow subscribe button wherever you're listening so you don't miss any of them. We will throw in some OG season recaps along the way. The gauntlet will be coming next week maybe on Thursday or Friday. Uh, who knows? Could be any time during the week, but keep an eye out for that. As always, follow us on Challenge Historian on Instagram, at Challenge Historian. Thank you so much for being here. Get hyped for this season, and I will talk to you in 10 days' time or less when All-Stars 3 debuts on May 11th. Until then, peace. <laughs>